He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you as always. And fellas, we have a lot to get into today. Yesterday might have been golf day of the year in professional golf, especially in this state, two former OSU Cowboys going out and getting the job done. Taylor Gooch, friend of the show, getting it done at Live Andalusia and Ricky Fowler, fellas. That's where we have to start this show because we have talked endlessly about Ricky Fowler and at the start of the year Woody predicted not predicted Woody guaranteed that Ricky Fowler would win on the PGA Tour this year T-Dub said not so fast my friend and then I hate this Woody I hate this we can't give T-Dub any crap or not as much crap because T-Dub Finally picks Ricky for the first time in like two years, and he wins. He hedged his bets, Woody, and it paid off. Woody, I have to start with you because you were driving the bandwagon, and right when T-Dub hops on the Ricky bandwagon, he wins. I really want to rip him, but I can't, Sam. He came on our page. I don't believe it. (laughs) He came on our page, so I can't really rip him. I can't. Although you and I both thought he would win again. We really did. And as it worked out, he won. He, he, he was ready to win. You could tell it was coming. And uh, once he went to Butch Harmon, it was a mute point then, boys. I knew we were going to get a winner. I hedged my bet at the exact right time, guys. That's all I have to say. The timing of my Nostradamus prediction could not have been any better because he had been trending in the right direction forever. We've been talking about it for the last, what it seemed like, going back the last three to four months on how great he has been playing. All the things we talked about with what he's doing with Butch, his hands are a lot better at the top. He's a lot less laid off. He's a putting exceptionally well. He's been chipping exceptionally well. Just seemed like it was all there. But for whatever reason, like we saw on Sunday at the U.S. Open, or in this case, really the last 19 holes of the U.S. Open, you're like, man, does, does he have what it takes to win? You have to do certain different things on Sunday, at least mentally, than you do on the other days, and that seemed like what was really holding Ricky back this entire time, but was able to close it out with a tremendous shot on the 72nd hole of the tournament to hit in there at about three and a half feet to make a birdie. But before that, guys, I thought we were going to have another just classic Ricky back nine with the lead back nine where he misses a, a three-putt 14 for his first three-putt of the week, misses about a three-and-a-half, four-footer there, and then 17, the other par five, which we talked about on the radio show, right, Sam? Because we were well, they had to move the tee times up, so we're – doing our radio show essentially when the back nine starts. And what did we say? We said, if Ricky goes out and doesn't birdie the, the par fives on the back nine and goes out it's and just plays like days, he's, yeah. it's going to be interesting. And he's not going to win the tournament. And that's what looked like it was going to happen. He got very lucky on his tee shot on 18, right? He's, what, two, a yard and a half away from being in the creek. But was able to hit a great shot there. And then, even in the playoff, got a little fortunate. Morikawa and Hadwin both put it in the fairway. Very good position. He blows it 60, 70 yards right. Over by the grandstands, able to 
not only have a fairly good lie, but also have a, a great angle with the flag. They did a great shot. It was actually the closest shot in after those drives, which you would have had a little bit of, of, of live bet on that. You could have got some tremendous odds on that situation. So I, it was at a point, it looked like it was going to be a classic Ricky finish, but he stepped up when he needed to Sam. And you got to give the man credit because it's something he hasn't been able to do over the last, how many ever months, even playing great golf. He wasn't able to close the deal and he finally did. And it, at the end of the day, I know I've given them a lot of crap over this past year, but it is a great thing for the game of golf team to have Ricky finally win. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I loved his reaction after sinking that putt on 18. It was awesome. It was literally just pure relief, right? And I, I loved that reaction from Ricky Fowler. First time he's won around the world since... February 3rd of 2019, Fowler won the Waste Management Open for his fifth career PGA Tour victory back on February 3rd of 2019. It's been a long road back, but I think Butch Harmon had a lot to do with it. And I also feel like Ricky, when he went back to Butch, you got to give him credit for realizing that he needed to get back to playing golf and not golf swing, which is ironic because, yes, him and Butch fixed a couple things to make him feel more comfortable on the golf course, but it's the short game that is so much better than it's been over the past couple years, and obviously the iron game has come along ever since going to Butch, but like we've talked about on previous podcasts, Butch is as much of a psychologist as a swing coach, and I think you got to give him a whole lot of credit because Rick Ricky Fowler, fellas, has been one of, if not the most consistent player on the PGA Tour this year. And, fellas, he is, in my mind, I know he's probably going to be a pick. He might even get up into that lock top six, uh, depending on how he plays here coming down the stretch. But he's, in my mind, a lock to be on the Ryder Cup team as far as, you know, either getting picked or getting into that top six. Right, T-Dub? Oh, he's 100% earned his way onto that team. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I've, on the current uh, points rankings that I see, he's number 12 currently. He moved ahead of the likes of Justin Thomas, Denny McCarthy, Kurt Kitayama, those guys. So, yeah, he's sitting very, very pretty. He's the sixth player ranked analytically. He's the 23rd in the OWGR. He's eighth in the FedEx Cup standings. So, yeah, Woody, I think at this point, there's going to be some question marks about who we're going to pick on the Ryder Cup team. JT, Dustin Johnson, our man Taylor Gucci won yesterday. But I think Ricky has vaulted himself up on that category. I do not see a world of endeavor unless he has some injury or something in the next two months where Ricky Fowler is not playing on the Ryder Cup in Rome. If you don't take Ricky Fowler to Rome, you are just stupid. You are stupid. And if you don't look real hard at Taylor Gooch, you are stupid. I mean, he we'll won get to that. three times. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, come on. So, I, I, you know, I'd love to tell you that I feel good about that pick when I picked it back in January. I just know enough about Butch Harmon, guys. I just know him well enough to know he's he can do miracles, and this wasn't even needing to be a miracle. He just had to get him back on his mind right, and Butch is the best at that. What he does – this Ricky Fowler win remind you of anybody because it kind of reminded me of someone and that's a former OSU Cowboy, maybe the greatest OSU golfer to ever come out of Stillwater. It kind of reminded me yesterday of Scott Verplank. Did it cross your mind at all yesterday with the, the comeback that Ricky Fowler has had and the rock bottom that he hit and he fought his way back to win again? The difference is, is Scott was fighting injuries right. and his uh, diabetes and a lot of things. Scott had a lot going on. 
he was mentally shot, but he had a lot of physical. Uh, Ricky was mostly physical with his golf swing was bad, but it was a lot mental, a lot mental. Once it started going bad, it just kept going bad. So to turn a world-class player around like that, it's a psychologist more than it's a swing doctor. He fixed his swing, but I think what he worked on was between the years, and he did a fabulous job. No, he really did. And T-Dub, to start the show, I said that yesterday might have been my favorite golf day of the year. We'll get to Taylor Gooch and all of that because, I mean, normally, I mean, 99 times out of 100, we're going to start the show with Taylor Gooch, but it just seems like this is such a great story with Ricky Fowler winning for the first time since 2019 that this Ricky Fowler win, in my opinion, is the golf story of the year so far, in my opinion. Well, we talk all the time about what needs to be done to grow the game, especially with the merger and all that stuff. You want to have what is best in the interest of golf going forward. And Ricky Fowler winning is, is does nothing but help grow the game. I mean, even yesterday when they're showing the, the uh, fans off to the side, you see how many ever just Ricky fans, R- Ricky little kid fans. They're 10, 11 years old, decked out in all orange, got the Puma hats on. So these kids really look up, look up to Ricky. And it, it's great to see that he finally won. It's been four years now. And it also shows – what resilience can do, right? And that's one thing that these kids can look up to. Say, well, just because you have a bad stretch of golf or you have a bad stretch in life in general doesn't mean that it's over and doesn't mean that if you don't do the right things, if you work hard at it, you can get back to where you were and, and perhaps even higher heights than you'd ever been in your, in your time. So, no, it, it's a beautiful thing to see Ricky end up winning. He's playing such phenomenal golf in, in almost every realm of endeavor. This week in particular, he gained strokes in every single category, gained more than two shots approach, gained more – than a full shot on the green. So he has every single aspect of his game clicking, and I, I'm i interested to see exactly if he could keep going on this on this trend. Because, for example, he's he finally got his win, but he has not won a major yet, which we know that's something that every great golfer, and particularly Ricky, is going to have on his bucket list. So he's got to be on people's shortlist at, at the Open Championship going forward. We've already said he's going to be a shoe-in for the Ryder Cup team. So I think this not only gets Ricky fans excited for what he's done currently, but what he's going to be doing in the future going forward. Right, Woody? Totally agree. Totally agree. My next bold pick is he's going to win a major. Okay? I'm not saying he's winning this next week at the Open. But my next bold pick is he will win a major because he's come from so far. And once you've done that deep in that hole and worked your way back out, your confidence level is off the chart. And you can just see it with him. He's going to win a major. He will do that next. That's my next bold pick. Well, what he was struggling with was confidence, and he definitely has that now. So I would not be surprised if he were to win a major in the future. The other guy that I want to talk about from the Rocket Mortgage before we move on, Obviously, Adam Hadwin was in that playoff, but I want to get to Colin Morikawa. Colin Morikawa has now gained shots on the greens four tournaments in a row, and that's what he was struggling with all year. Only gained shots on the greens one time from the Genesis Invitational to the Wells Fargo. So, fellas, he's figuring something out on the greens, and he needs to because he is one of those guys that will have to be a Ryder Cup captain's pick unless he obviously wins a playoff event or the the Open Championship. Uh, But this was a big performance for Colin Morikawa to show Zach Johnson that, hey, I'm still here and I'm still worthy of, you know, being one of those picks, right, T-Dub? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he was in that group of guys who needed to, 
show a little bit of form to make it a lot easier on Zach Johnson to be able to pick him. And the fact that he's putting better is an absolutely marvelous sign because Morikawa is having, on, analytically, he's having his best iron year that he's ever had, which is absolutely 100% saying something. And he's one of the best, if not the best, iron player in the game, depending on who you ask. I'm going to go ahead and go with Scotty Sheffler in that category, but a lot of people would argue Morikawa would do that. And you look at where that puts him in the in the points rankings now. He's num- moved up to number nine. Still a lot of golf to be played on the rest of the year, so he could easily move up into the top six. And there could also easily be guys that pass him. But you look at guys who are up there who would be captain six. I'm going to take Morikawa over the likes of – I would take Morikawa over Keegan Bradley, who won even just last week, who's seventh. I would probably, based on game, I'd rather have Morikawa than Jordan Spieth, who's number eight. And then the guys that he's ahead of, Cam Young and Sam Burns, I'd rather have uh, Morikawa over them. So you look at guys who are slowly going to 100% be captain six and solidify their spots. Ricky Fowler at number twelve, I think, has done that. And Woody, I, I think that Morikawa, at least at this point, being number nine, I don't. I also don't see a world where he's not picked on the team as well. Uh, once again, you're stupid if you don't pick him. He's won majors. He's he's got the game, and if he's putting like you just said, Sam, he's dangerous. He's one of the best players in the world. He always has been, always will be. So you can't leave him home either. So it is getting interesting, guys, to say the least. It's getting interesting. But then again, we're getting guys that are so solid and coming to the front when they need to. You can't leave them home. You just can't leave them home. Yeah, both of you guys are right on the money. I think that Colin Morikawa, just like Ricky Fowler, should be a shoe-in for the Ryder Cup team. You know who else, fellas, should be a shoe-in, in my opinion, for the Ryder Cup team now? That would be the only American who has won three times around the world. Can you guys tell me who that is? That would be Taylor Gooch. Taylor Gooch wins for the third time in 2023 on the Live Golf League, out-dueling Bryson DeChambeau coming down the stretch. Brooks Kepka also in that final group as well. Yes, the same Brooks Kepka that is the current PGA champion. Yes, Cam Smith was in this event as well. He is the current defending Open champion. You had Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed in this event as well. These are the guys that Taylor Gooch has beaten three different times this year all these guys and in my opinion fellas we talked about this on the radio show and I'll play the end of the radio show at the end of this podcast in case people missed it Um, and you can hear our live reactions from Taylor winning this event but fellas this is an obvious choice he is clearly one of the 12 best American players. He's the only American with three wins, and you can try to poo-poo live wins, but guys, he's won three times against current major defending champions, and so this is another big-time win to make a statement, teeing it up for the first time after the USGA shot him down and said, you're not allowed to play in our event. He goes out and he wins Live Andalusia at a great golf course in a similar golf course to what they're going to see at the Ryder Cup, fellas, at Valderrama. This is unbelievable stuff we're seeing from Taylor Gooch. Gets the win, finishes 12 under, one shot ahead of Bryson DeChambeau at 11 under, and then uh, solo third place. You have Brooks Kepka at 9 under T-Dub. Our man Taylor Gooch, who I'm sure we'll talk to later in the week, just 
an unbelievable talent, and he has a mindset of an absolute assassin, and he wants to prove to the world that he is worthy of being in the discussion with these top players in the world, and he is. I'm just so happy that the golf gods proved that, that they are real and were able to make all things at least close to even with Taylor Gooch winning his first event back after getting completely screwed and, and a crime against humanity for him not to be in the U.S. Open, for him to come out and win his next event out there shows the excessive mentality that you were talking about. And also just the grit and guts that this kid has. To go out and shoot four under on the back nine to win this tournament by one shot over the, the likes of competition that he did, major champions in Bryson DeChambeau, and Brooks Koepka comes out, makes a bogey on nine, but coming into the back nine, birdie's 10, birdie's 13, and then birdie's the par five, 15th coming in as well. And then 18 makes one of the best birdies you'll ever see, hitting a little punch hybrid out there to the right side of the fairway, hitting a great, great iron up there just short of the hole, and then making an extremely clutch putt that broke about at least a foot, maybe a foot and a half a break, and came in, just hit the, the left edge of the hole, and went in. It was absolutely beautiful putt. And it just... Not only is this his third win, guys, it's his third win not in the United States. Playing courses that are going to set up very similar to what Rome is going to set up for the Ryder Cup. So, yes, I think he would be a tremendous pick. There's a lot of people you could pair him with, too. My dad brought it up to me made a great point. Would you want to play him and Ricky Fowler in a, in a best ball or alternate shot right now? No, they would demolish almost anyone they win against. TG would be a tremendous pick for this team. We thought Wyndham Clark and Keegan Bradley were throwing wrenches into this pick, but TG has 100% done it. And unfortunately, with the politics of, of everything in the situation, I think he's going to have an exceptionally great finish at the Open Championship for him to be picked, which is kind of a shame because you look at even analytically, I, he's ranked ahead of guys like Sam Burns, Cam Young. He's ranked ahead of Justin Thomas as well. Analytically, he's right there with the likes of Max Homa and, and even Keegan. He's just only a few notches lower than Woody. So it's, there's still a lot of golf to be played for, for TG, especially at the Open, where I think it's going to make a big difference. But there are, it's just another wrench that's been thrown in this equation. He should definitely, if he shouldn't be picked, he better at least be heavily considered and get a phone call from Zach Johnson. That's all I got to say. Well, he, he might get a phone call. The only way he's getting on that Ryder Cup team is when that British Open. It's the only way, because they'll politic him right out. It, it'll make the USDA seem like something kind, how bad they're going to BF him, okay? Which we all know is bull, and we hate it, but. That's the politics that's still out there, guys. So from that standpoint, TG, proud of him. He went out and he just showed everybody he's still one of the best players in the world. And he went out and did it on a hard golf course, like you said, Sam, and took on the likes of those guys in Brooks Kepka and DeChambeau right down the line and beat them both. So does he deserve it? Hell yes, he deserves it. Will he get it? No, I think they're going to be effing. Like I said, I think they're going to politic him right out of this deal. And that is wrong. You may be right. That was the opinion of one Alan Shipnuck yesterday. Alan Shipnuck took to Twitter and said that TG probably deserves to be on the Ryder Cup team, but he won't be because he's been a shit-stirring troll. And that is Alan Shipnuck's quote. I did not have that on my irony bingo card, fellas, for Alan Shipnuck to be calling someone a shit-stirring troll, the shit-stirring troll that started all of this whole shit storm. So I cannot stand when people like that come and try to publicize an untrue fact that 
Taylor Gooch has been some shit-stirring troll. He's the one getting screwed by the USGA. He's the one not even going to probably be on a Ryder Cup team when he's won three times around the world. Are you kidding me? What are we doing? And and if Zach Johnson, T-Dub, is actually doing his job, then it should be the 12 best Americans. And it's clear, it's clear that Taylor Gooch is one of the 12 best Americans. But unfortunately, what he's probably probably right that he is going to get politicked out of this whole deal because of these fake politics that we've seen that Tiger Woods is even running away from in those leaked documents that we'll get to in a second. But my point, guys, is that Taylor Gooch on the course is a clear pick for the Ryder Cup. He loves team golf. He's won three times, by the way, all three times overseas. And so clearly you should pick a guy that has the accolades to do all of the things that you need to do to win the Ryder Cup. Clearly he's a better choice than Cam Young, Justin Thomas, Tony Finau. Uh, You could go on down the list of guys like Sam Burns. He's honestly been playing better golf than Ricky Fowler. Taylor Gooch has won three times this year. I know people aren't going to love to hear that, but he has. And it is honestly starting to piss me off that people aren't giving Taylor Gooch the credit that he deserves. It's definitely a weird thing for Alan Chipnuck to say. That's very interesting, considering everything has transpired the last year and a half in particularly it, it's this is the point right if you legitimately have 12 americans who are going to be better than taylor gooch then he shouldn't be picked the problem is do you actually have 12 players who are going to be better than him and as of right now i don't think so i, I think that there are there could be arguments that you made what's funny is that you have guys like russell henley and denny mccarthy who are higher analytically than taylor gooch is currently and those guys aren't even thinking about being picked but you're going to have Someone like Justin Thomas, who's down the 38th player analytically right now. You're going to have Cam Young, who's 40th. Sam Burns, who's down in 29th, who's, which is uh, four spots behind where Taylor Gucci is right now. That, that's the problem that I'm going to have, is that if someone who's clearly not playing very good form and is clearly not going to have the benefit to the team that someone like Taylor Gucci would have, that is what's going to upset me. And then you have the equation of, there are going to be some names that we haven't even talked about yet who's going to go out and win the Open, and then that throws an entire no riches. So there's just so much left that needs to be un- that needs to be settled. But then you're going to have likes of Dustin Johnson may not be picked for. So then you have the, the question of, well, if you can only have one, would you rather have D- uh, Dustin Johnson or Taylor Gooch? And a lot of people would say, DJ, I would probably, honestly, right now, probably pick T.G. Woody just because I feel like he's playing a little bit better than Dustin Johnson is. But then you have the likes of how would it deal with locker room, how would he deal with the experience of it? Because DJ was five and zero when it was at Whistling Straight. So there is the, the, the one thing I do know, Woody, is that if we had to create a B team for the Ryder Cup team, I think the B team would have a great chance against the A team of Europe, just because that's how deep that is. Oh, that's the problem. See, we're too deep. We're too deep. Uh, that's why you can leave a Taylor good job and justify it, and that's wrong. But like I said, now if the golf gods are any good at all, either TG wins this coming next week. Or he finishes second. He's he, he right there. And then you keep putting that pressure on Zach Johnson to go, now, wait a minute. This guy's doing everything he needs to do. Dustin Johnson or TG right now, it's TG with me, too. You got, I, I couldn't agree with you guys more. And, fellas, what is this BS about Taylor Gooch not being good for team chemistry? 
His best friend is Max Homa, who is probably going to be on the team. You're telling me that the two guys who have played in the Zurich Classic together are not going to be a good best ball or alternate shot team, and Taylor Gooch is going to be some bad guy for the team locker room? Give me a freaking break. And yeah, obviously, T-Dub, Taylor Gooch deserves a Ryder Cup pick over Dustin Johnson just based on how they've played against each other all year. I mean, why? Why? Are we having this discussion? The guy's won three times, and we're acting like he has to win the British Open to get on the Ryder Cup team? What are we doing? Once again, it comes down to, I want to hear legitimate arguments for people who say PG should not be on the team. Okay, then go down the list and find me. Okay, he's not going to make it automatically, so take out the six people who are automatically qualified. And then give me six more names of players who should go ahead of TG and Give some reasons why, because I don't think that you could legitimately find the, the only reason them. that you would go be able them. So right now you have the six guys who are automatically qualified. You have Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, Bruce Kepka, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay, Max Homan. So we'll leave them out in this discussion. The next few you have, you have Keegan Bradley, number seven. I would personally rather have TG than Keegan Bradley. I know Keegan won an elevated event last week, but I still rather have TG with the form Remind me, that he's though. shown in the game. Remind me, is Taylor Gooch allowed to play in elevated events? Uh, as far as I know, no. He okay. would not be allowed to play. So okay. no, that is yeah. a very, very good point. The next two, Jordan Speed, Colin Morikawa. Okay, I, I understand if you want to make an argument over TG for them, they're both ma- uh, past major champions. Okay, I, I understand that. You can go ahead and give me those two ahead of him. I, I'm not going to have a problem. But he's played Cam better Young than both those tenth. guys. Absolutely. I'm just trying to say I understand the right. argument that would be made. No, I get it. So, next, next, number 10, Cameron Young. I don't see an argument where I'd rather have Cam Young over over Taylor Gooch, especially considering it's going to be in Europe. A Cam Young's game does not suit up well for that type of course. Number 11, Sam Burns, one of the WGC match players this year, one of the best putters in the world, especially right now with how they've been playing. I'd rather have TG, but I could understand at least halfway an argument for Sam Burns, even though I would go with TG personally. Ricky Fowler, number 12. I would rather have Ricky at this point. He's been playing consistently for, for three months. I know TG's been doing stuff very similarly. But I'm going to go ahead and pick Ricky there. That's just how I go. The next big one you're going to have is at 13, Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas is playing horribly. There, there's zero doubt. There's not even any realm of endeavor where you could argue that Justin Thomas right now is playing better golf than TG. But then you have his relationship with speed. You have his history. You have all that. Then you go into the likes of underneath Denny McCarthy, Kurt Kitayama, Zalatoris isn't, is, is injured. He won't play. Harris English. Tony Finau would be a name that a lot of people would advocate for. He's not playing very well either. So, well, yeah, I just I, I go down the list and there's maybe th- maybe three players who would be captain's picks who I would legitimately understand picking over TG. But once he get past that, he has to he has to be in the discussion. If he's not in the discussion, it's an absolute crime, just like it was him not playing in the U.S. Open. Well, the crime is the big word. It is a crime, and it will be a crime. That's the thing. But politics, guys, that freaking politics. That's what's going to kill him. It's going to absolutely kill him, and it should it should not. But I'm not. I'm not saying TG shouldn't be. I'm right on your all's page. I'm just a realist, and I know how these guys work. And they're going to find a way to keep him off because he went to live. That's what's going to happen. Whether we like it or don't like it is a mute point. Okay? They're going to keep him off that team, and that's bull. And that's why I say that live needs to get. Oh, Yasser needs to get this thing organized and figure it out because we don't want to have another year come around where TG's not on a team like this when he deserves to be on one. 
No, and if Zach Johnson leaves a guy like Taylor Gooch or a Dustin Johnson off the team and they go over there and lose again, I mean, are we really putting our best 12 Americans out there? I would argue that absolutely not. They are not putting their best 12 Americans out there. My my six picks are pretty obvious right now, fellas. I, I would go in this order. Ricky Fowler, Colin Morikawa, Taylor Gooch, Jordan Speed, Dustin Johnson, and Keegan Bradley. Tony Finau just missed the cut at a non-elevated event. You have Cam Young, who can't make a putt outside two feet. You have Sam Burns, who played one good tournament at the match play this year, uh, but definitely doesn't have three wins. I'm comparing him to elite golfers like Taylor Gooch. He hasn't been what Taylor Gooch has been in 2023. Justin Thomas literally shot, what, 83 in the last major championship at the U.S. Open? I mean, what are we doing here? This is not even a discussion. It's not. It shouldn't be a discussion. Yes, Ricky Fowler should be on the team, absolutely. Colin Morikawa, yes, absolutely, considering how he's putting recently. Taylor Gooch has won three times. Jordan Spieth, yes, he's just... Jordan Spieth, right? And he hasn't played terrible golf this year, but he hadn't won any major championships. Has he even won a tournament this year? Then you go to Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson was the star of the show at Whistling Straits, and then Keegan Bradley seems like a Ryder Cup guy. He just seems like one of those guys that's going to be great on the Ryder Cup. I know he's lost two Ryder Cups, I think, but it would be nice to see Keegan Bradley get one and obviously playing great golf after winning the elevated event at the Travelers. You probably got to put him on over a guy like Justin Thomas, but right now, T-Dub, my point is I'm not even arguing about whether TG should be on the team. It's really about whether you want Keegan Bradley, Justin Thomas, Sam Burns, Cam Young. That's the thing. It depends on who you think is automatically deserving of to be one of those picks and guys who, who are thrown down on the list, which is, it, it, it just shows how fast it can change, right? After last week, after Justin Thomas plays three solid rounds Friday through Sunday, I'm like, okay, well, 99% chance he's going to be picked. And I still feel like that he will be picked. He could probably miss every cut the rest of the way and still go and be picked. But with how much depth there is on the American team, that's what I think that would be a shame if he keeps playing the way that he is and still gets picked. There's so many other better players or players who are playing better than him currently, who could be thrown on that list. So I, I, I think one thing that, that Zach Johnson will do is he'll stay pretty true. I don't think the players that end up seven through nine on the points will probably be left off. So right now that'd be Keegan, Spieth, Morikawa. If that stays the same, I think they'll be picked. Even Max Homo is still in six. He's not been playing very good golf. He could very easily get passed. But I think that even if he drops down and doesn't make a cut the rest of the way, he'll probably still be picked because he's, he's now a new star boy when it comes to the PJ Tour. So it's extremely volatile, there's no doubt. Like I said, JT, because missing a cut at a non-elevated event like Fina did, shoots him even further down the list. So there's a whole lot that can go on. One of these guys, somehow Cam Young finds his game, goes out and wins the Open, well, he's going to be picked now. So there's there's just a lot of golf to be played, Woody, and I, I can't wait to see how it goes. And it's just, like we said on the radio show, it's a conundrum that's different for the Americans. They have 15 to 18 guys who are in the top 30 analytically in the the um the europeans they're fighting their last three or four picks are guys that are going to be 75 to 100 so it's going to be clear domination on paper when we get to uh the Ryder cup team for the americans really no matter who they throw out well two guys you mentioned jt and uh cameron young you pick either one of them right now that's nothing but politics and if you pick them you're stupid again i use that word stupid a lot in this because you can't pick one of those two guys right now there is not a chance you pick one of those two guys. 
So then you go from there. Then it's Dustin Johnson. It's Taylor Goose. There's a lot of guys in there that are deserving of it with the way they're playing. But JT and Cameron Young are not deserving right now. No way, no shape, no how. That's exactly right. Taylor Gooch, by the way, let's get back to Liv Andalusia. He just beat two major champions on a historical golf course, like he said, after the round. He said, quote, last year I didn't get a win, so this year I was just focused on getting an individual win, Gooch said Sunday after his 2023 wallet swelled to more than $13.3 million. He said, quote, you don't think much past the first one until you get the first one. I definitely didn't have three in mind before the season, but it's cool that we're here, and it's especially cool to have the third one here at Valderrama, a historical course. And then he went on to say, when they asked him about the Ryder Cup, he said, quote, obviously it's out of my hands, it's out of my control, but the one thing that I can control is playing good golf. I'll continue to do that to the best of my abilities, and hopefully things work out. Any thoughts on what TG has said? By the way, $13.3 million just on the course. That's not even counting the guaranteed money that TG has obviously gotten as well. It's absolutely stellar. We did We did learn after the Australia win that don't forget that it is tax still, so he's not quite getting that much on paper. That's the 48% right. tax rate in Australia will, will hit you where, where it hurts. There's no doubt about it, but still very, very impressive what our man TG's been doing. And I mentioned earlier, the back nine that he played to go out and win that tournament what was exceptional. Shooting four under, not an easy nine holes by any stretch of the imagination. And Bryson, contrarily, was able to make eight pars on the back nine with one birdie on 17. But similar to what Ricky was doing kind of coming down the stretch. You have to go out and take the bull by the horns to win this tournament. And with Bryson in particular, the things got exposed a little bit, in my opinion. He had a few wayward drives. He actually hit two provisional balls on number 11. He was lucky to find his first one, so he was able to make a par after leaving his uh, 15-foot birdie putt, eight feet short, one of the worst putts I've ever seen a professional golfer hit. And also, too, his distance control was a little off coming down the stretch. He had, like, on number 10 in particular, he had, like, 120 yards in and ended up 25 yards past the hole. It was not a, gr- a good shot whatsoever. And you could tell that when the pressure started to settle in, Bryson's weaknesses, the things that he'd been working on, had gotten exposed, and TG was able to take advantage of that. He had been playing better over the last year. There's no doubt about that. He played what was to his game, not trying to overpower the golf course, didn't need to hit driver when other guys were. He was sitting hybrid out there in position, relying on his strengths, which is his middle iron. He's starting to show a lot of maturity, Woody, which is what obviously what you have to do to win three tournaments in one year. But it just goes to show how he's so talented, but also, too, just playing a little bit smarter golf along the way is really starting to pay dividends. At least that's what I'm seeing. I tell you what, the, the kind of golf he's playing right now, he is solid as a rock. And, you know, for them to call him whatever that shipnut called him, I don't even remember what he said he called him, but it was wrong. Alan Shipnut called Taylor Gooch a shit-stirring troll. Oh, what a troll he is, okay? Because a shit-stirring troll does not answer the question the way he answered it. I'm just going to play the best golf I can and see where the cards lay. He didn't make any noise. He hadn't said anything negative whatsoever. So, I, again, I, I we're going to just see how this all unfolds, but I hate it because I know how it's going to unfold. I just feel so bad for him because they're just going to BF him. That's why I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Guys, similar to what we were talking about at the Rocket Mortgage with Colin Morikawa, 
Bryson DeChambeau continues to play some really solid golf recently. We kind of saw the beginning of when he seemed to get things figured out, uh, which was up at Live Tulsa. And he talked a lot about how, you know, he was happier and healthier at Live Tulsa, said that he's not quite there, but he's getting some things figured out. And fellas, he finished seventh at Live Tulsa. He finished tied for fourth at the PGA Championship, 10th in D.C., tied for 20th at the U.S. Open, and then solo second at Valderrama guys I mean if if you're being honest about Bryson DeChambeau he's getting back to play in some elite golf he really really is absolutely he's up to the 37th ranked player analytically finished second this last week as we've documented finished fourth of the PGA so yeah there's a, a lot of positive things from Bryson and as we when we were able to speak with him at Live Tulsa he seemed a lot more optimistic you just the sound in his voice that he was talking about, the conviction that he had with the words he was saying was extremely paramount to me and showed that I know that Bryson, even though he wasn't able to get the job done yesterday, he's going to win very, very soon. Will will he be able to get it done this calendar year? I I would personally say yes, that he will be able to. Maybe not just because there's a select limited events that he'll be playing in for the rest of the year. But one thing that's interesting, is had the Americans not be such a, a deep team, he would have to be in the conversation to be picked on this Ryder Cup team. I think that there's probably 16 to 17 guys currently that are that should be picked over him, but that's just because of how deep the team is. Is Bryson the best alternate shot player you could find? No, but he'd be a great best ball partner. This one where he's going to be able to put some drives and holes that he'll be able to take advantage of with birdies. He'd be great for that format. There's just too many guys, though, uh, at this point. to I think you pick him unless he goes out and wins the Open which would absolutely change everything. But no, Woody, uh, Bryson has definitely shown some good things, and he is. He keeps talking about the 2018 form he wants to get back to. He's not quite there yet, but he's not far off. Now, he's one of the guys I'm most impressed with is to come back from nowhere. He, he's really playing some great golf. And, and what you said, again, he's not as big as travesty as what Taylor Gucci is if he's not picked. But, uh, you know, all these guys can throw a wrench big time if they could win that British Open, guys. That's what's going to be fun to watch. Watch what happens in that British Open. If these guys have stellar opens, it just builds their confidence and builds where they should be picked. The only thing they got going against them is they're out of tournaments. They're out of PGA type of tournaments. They don't get to go to FedEx. They don't get to go into these, any of these other PGA events, and that's what's going to kill them. Yeah, no, it- they are definitely at a huge disadvantage not being able to play those playoff events uh, leading up to the Ryder Cup picks. Uh, yeah, by the way, to wrap up Bryson, yesterday, I mean, he was putting himself in jail off the tee and somehow getting out of it. I mean, whether it be on the par 5 17th when he was over in jail off the tee box and hit it over under the trees, over the water, over the green, and ends up making birdie, or 18, he hit it in the right trees and ran one up there over the green, forced Taylor Gooch to make a birdie. There was some impressive recovery shots from Bryson yesterday, too, especially, you know, being a Taylor Gooch fan and wanting him to win the golf tournament. He was making me nervous because it seemed like every time, you know, Bryson was in jail and you're like, Taylor, all he has to do is make a par here to gain a shot. 
Bryson would come back and make birdie or par. So it was really impressive stuff down the stretch. Bryson forcing Taylor to make that birdie on the last hole. And heck of a read on the last hole, uh, Taylor Williams. What were your thoughts on that tournament-winning putt for Taylor Gooch? I mean, it was about three feet of break from right to left, and he had to, you know, hit it with some pace to make sure it didn't go low of the hole. And, And he rolled it right in the heart and gave a nice fist pump. And, you know, Mal's out there celebrating Bubba Watt. Watson spraying uh, Taylor Gooch with champagne. I, I thought it was an awesome scene uh, and awesome crowds, by the way, out at Valderrama. People in Spain were really excited to see those elite golfers uh, go to their hometown. I said this yesterday live on the radio show right after we saw the putt go in. Whenever you have a situation like that, Bryson was up there two and a half feet or so. You knew he was going to make par. You have the 18 to 20 footer and you could be telling yourself, well, if I hit this putt too hard, I'm going to hit it three to four feet by, and then that's going to be a test. Or could end up losing the tournament. You can tell with the conviction he hit that putt that that thought never crossed his mind. So that showed commitment and trust in what he was doing. He didn't break his routine. Still in a similar situation where, where Mal Baker's caddy just essentially tells him where to aim right before he steps over, and then within six to seven seconds, he hits the putt. So nothing was broken from routine, which is something else that you can see happen when a pressure situation comes on. So he stayed in the moment. He was confident in what he was doing. And he, he showed ultimate guts, Woody, which is another reason, which is something that you need in the Ryder Cup going forward, which makes him another pick. But it, it seemed like I'd seen that so much growing up, Woody. I'd seen him make how many ever countless putts that mattered. Just straight confidence going the start of the hole. It was like it, went, it was like I went back in a time machine 15 years and was, and was reliving some of my junior tournaments. I never had to play against him, but you guys both said that over and over again, how he's done this his whole life. He, again, we, we, we can't stress enough that he's playing world-class golf, and he shows over and over and over again. This is a guy that has come of age this year. He is doing things he, he would normally be doing earlier, I thought, but now he's found it, and I just wish he could play more on the tour because – He's won three times on live. Guys, if he was on the tour, I think he would have won three times this year. I really do. He's playing that kind of golf. So as the as the crow flies, he's doing everything it takes to be where he needs to be. I just hope that they get all this stuff figured out this next year. And in 2024, we get to see him have a full opportunity to really show his stuff. No doubt about it. And T-Dub, you reminded me when you were talking about Taylor as a you know junior player out there making those same type of putts. We also have to mention Taylor Moore, who had a nice week at the Rocket Mortgage as well. Taylor Moore finishes tied for fourth at the Rocket Mortgage. Now, he did make a double bogey on the par 5 14th, but then birdied three out of his last four to jump up into that top five uh yeah we kind of overshadowed what taylor moore did just because ricky fowler won and it was such a big story but definitely kudos to taylor moore but it was really cool to see taylor moore and taylor gooch both having great weeks in professional golf right t-dub i thought there for for a slight moment that we would have had the two taylors win on both tours and that would have been absolutely exhilarating but unfortunately our man team Moore just didn't hit the ball good enough this week he was about dead even on strokes gain off the tee and strokes gain approach. He putted the ball beautifully this week, gaining more than two and a half shots. Actually led the field in strokes gain putting and then also gained half a shot around the greens chipping. So the short game was there, though the full iron play wasn't. But to, to make a double in his final five, one of his final five holes and still only lose the tournament by three shots, 
I think shows a lot. Had somehow everything transpired the same, and had he birdied that hole instead of doubled, he would have been in the playoff. I know that's asking a decent amount, but that just shows how close that he is. He was only one hole away from being right in the middle of this tournament. So, once again, another guy who, if he plays good in the playoffs, could throw an entire wrench into this Ryder Cup thing. Because Steve Moore definitely has the game for what would be needed at, at a trip across the pond. And uh, I'm just glad, too, that he's just starting to play some good golf. He was, as of yesterday, he was, I believe, 51st in the OWGR, and he was 28th in the FedEx Cup standing. He moved up from that. He moved up to 47th in the OWGR, and he's moved up to 20 in the FedEx. So two things that gets him, gets him into the Tour Championship, it stays the same, and the OWGR. And as flawed of a system as it is, that's still how you get into all the major golf tournaments going forward. Being in that top 50 gives you so much cushion when it comes to picking your schedule and the events going forward. So, it, it, Woody, it's just really good to see our man Taylor Moore starting to play a little bit good golf. Went through a little bit of a slump there the last couple of weeks, but it seems like every tour pro goes through that no matter what skill level they are. So I feel like that he's on the upper trend now. And I wouldn't be shocked if he wins again in the coming months. Well, we talked on our last podcast, you guys remember, we said he and Austin Eckrode really need a couple of good weeks to get into that top. I'm like to say to not get into this tour championship, to get into next year's all elevated events. I think T. Moore just did that. I think he did good enough last week that even if the rest of the year doesn't go quite as well as he hopes, he might not get in the tour championship, which I hope not. I hope he gets keep playing good. But he's in those elevated events, and those are what I'm really worried about. That's why Austin needs to have another couple of good weeks getting that top 70. That's a great point because Taylor Moore was coming off three straight missed cuts. He needed a bounce-back tournament like a tide for fourth at the Rocket Mortgage. Uh, Woody is going to leave us here. He has other obligations, but Woody, I was going to give you the floor uh, for any final thoughts on either Ricky winning, Taylor Gooch winning, anything else in the golf world that we might not have gotten to before you get out of here. Well, I'd like to brag about my Ricky Fowler, but I'm not going to. I'm going to go ahead and eat my crow because I know uh, T-Dub went and picked him too. So he's not totally against Ricky. I was really happy to see that for him. I really was excited for Taylor Moore, guys, because he's had three bad weeks. And we talked about it. What does he need to do? He doesn't need to do anything. He just needs to get back focused and play his game, and he's going to be fine. So all in all, I thought it was a great week. TG winning again, and then Ricky, and then Taylor having that good week up there at the Rocket Mortgage. So I'm excited. Uh, I hope the Ryder Cup turns out the opposite of what I think. I really do. I would like it for it to be the right thing done, but I'm just scared it won't. So I'll leave it with you boys to finish the show. Always good to talk to you. I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing, and I'm playing golf. I hate to tell you guys, but I am, and I'm enjoying it. So I'll see you boys down the road. Woody, Woody, I'll leave you with this. Your pokes have been on a heater. Eugenio Lopez Chikara won Live Bangkok. Then Javi wins the Hero World Challenge. Then CH3 wins Live Mayakoba. Taylor Gooch wins Live Adelaide. Taylor Gooch wins Live Singapore. Then Wyndham Clark wins the Wells Fargo. Hovland wins the Memorial. Wyndham wins the U.S. Open. Then Taylor Gooch wins the Live uh, Andalusia and... Big D Rick wins the Rocket Mortgage. Uh, what are your final thoughts on Oklahoma State doing so well over this past year? All I can tell you, boys, 
pistols are firing. They're firing a lot. Pistols firing. Yes, sir. My Cowboys are making a roll. Thank you. <laughs> yes, sir. That is Jim Woodward, teaching professional out at Oak Tree National. When I say out at Oak Tree National, he's literally out at Oak Tree National right now and has to leave us. But what he thinks, we need to hit a break here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. If you're not already subscribed to the 73rd Hole, definitely go do that. It's the subscribe button, green button on Spotify, and the follow button on Apple Podcasts, and it's absolutely free. It just helps us out, and it will give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode. And also, follow us on social media, at the 73rd Hole on Twitter and at 73rd Hole on Instagram. I'm at Sam Humphreys 34 on Twitter as well. And you can find us on golfoklahoma.org and the sportsanimal.com podcast page. We'll be right back on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd Old Podcast. Hey everyone, T-Dub here. I want to take a second to tell you about my good friends at McCray Roofing. Not too long ago, my roof was in desperate need of repair. There was extensive hail damage and I had many leaks that needed attention. Not only did Jeff and his staff build me a new roof, but they walked me through step-by-step of the claims process, which is something that I was very, very concerned about. Everything from the initial inspection of the roof to analyze all the damage to meeting with the insurance adjuster to make sure they were aware of every damaged area, making sure my claim was accurate. Their custom copper creations are truly beautiful and add a great touch to any roof. Not only do they do residential roofs, but they have an elite list of commercial customers, including Gallardia Country Club, Oak Tree National, and Bass Pro Shops. Check out their website at mccrayroofing.com to view some of their work yourself and give them a call at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. We're back on the other side of the break on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams with you for this final segment. We will be playing our live reactions of Taylor Gooch and Ricky Fowler's final round during our Sunday radio show later on this podcast in case you missed it. Uh, But before we do that, T-Dub, we need to get to one final thing, one final news piece in the golf world over this past, I don't know, two days. There were some leaked documents, and the first leaked document comes from the 2022 Travelers, where Monaghan held a players' meeting to discuss the lived affections. He and his team planned this document for Tiger Woods to speak, and it has a bunch of bullet points, probably over 100, wouldn't you say, bullet points, T-Dub, and it was all bullet points on what the PGA Tour, the PGA Tour wrote this, and This is exactly what the PGA Tour wanted Tiger to say. And some of these bullet points are just absolutely ludicrous, T-Dub. I I guess we got to start with the main bullet point that everybody's talking about. One of the bullet points says, say this, say 
They want Tiger to say, first, do what I did. Tell the Saudis to go F themselves or other stuff like this. Uh, they say they want Tiger to say, talking about Jay Monahan, he's the right guy for this war. He's a fighter. I think Jay and his team have protected you, in parentheses, all of us, from the worst of it. They've been working against this threat since before the COVID shutdown, so nearly three years, and they've had to look and act strong and sort of tell us not to worry about anything, that they've got it handled because that's their job. They work their asses off, parentheses, just like they did during COVID, in parentheses, to ensure our lives aren't interrupted, period. And then it says... The perks and benefits and the purses go up and up, so we focus on playing golf while they handle things. <laughs> I, I mean, this is real because Tiger Woods came out in response to this, and he said, quote, in response to the Talking Points memo released this weekend, I have never seen this document until today, and I did not attend the players' meeting in 2022 at the Travelers, which it was prepared for. Um, but Tiger's not denying the fact that this is real. And also, why does Tiger feel the need to respond to some document being released when he hasn't even responded to any of the merger talks, T-Dub? This is so weird. It's almost like Tiger knows more is coming on all of this as far as documents being released. Why is he distancing himself from Jay Monahan? but Rory McIlroy is, is definitely taking up for Jay Monahan in the in the media. Also, in these documents, it, it says something to the extent of like, you know, do what Rory did and, and speak out against these Saudis, you know, stuff like that, like that they wanted Tiger to say at this meeting. This is so, so cringy to read, T-Dub. It really is. And it just proves what we've been saying the entire time that the PGA Tour not only was trying to brainwash fans and using the Golf Channel to brainwash fans, they were trying to use Tiger Woods to brainwash the other PGA Tour players. That's what we've been saying this the entire time. Check the source on where you get your news from and understand why it's coming. The fact that they think that they could give Tiger Woods a prepared speech and he would say it, he's going to have a lot of power and would have benefited them greatly. It's Similar to what I think been happening with Rory McIlroy. I think a lot of things he's been saying have not been his words, and I think these documents coming out probably highly make that more likely that that was the case. Certain things in here saying that they wanted Tiger to say, quote, it makes me sick. I hope it makes you sick too. In regarding to players leaving for live, uh, things like uh, wanting to use Charlie as a reason to do it, saying that if he becomes good enough to get on the PGA Tour, I want him to be a PGA Tour member, wanting him to use his son for their political games, that stuff's sickening, man. I'm not a big fan of that. That's going to not sit right with me. And I think that the thing to point out here, too, this was a players' meeting for the Travelers. Tiger did not speak at a tra at the Travelers' players' meeting. He spoke at the BMW Championship, the one in Delaware. So this was not the one that, that got the biggest notoriety last year when they announced the elevated events next year, things like that. No, no, this this technically did not take place. This is just what the tour had wanted him to say. But Sam, I feel like that we've known this stuff for a while. We just don't know the extent of it. We knew the PGA Tour was telling the players what to say and knew that they had their own agenda and the way they were wanting to steer things, especially the narrative in this entire situation. It's just very crazy to me that they could have done this with Tiger Woods. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a Tiger fan in me to think that he had more power than this and to read some scripted memo for him that someone else said. 
Maybe he believes all the words that are said in this. Maybe he gave them to bullet points. I don't know. I don't think that's the case. The point being is that we still don't know who's in charge of golf anymore. We do now because we know the Saudis essentially bought golf. We knew that. But at least back then, I thought the players, like Tiger Woods, had the control. But you see things like this, and it makes you say that that, that's not necessarily the case. And then we have the leaked email from Keith Pelly to Jay Monahan back on June 15th of 2021. So two years ago, I'll just read this email as it comes. It says it's from Keith Pelly to Jay Monahan. It says, Jay, going to send this today to Majed and copy in Yasser and David so they definitely see it, see what happens, but kept it very, very short. David feels more comfortable copying in Yasser and himself. Makes sense? Checking with you before I hit send. Cheers. And the message reads to Majed, there have been a number of changes slash moves recently in global golf, including the surprising reemergence of the PGL, which triggered the thought that it might be good to have a conversation before things are finally set. We are still hopefully, we are still hopefully, we can, I think he means hopeful. We are still hopeful we can find a collaborative way to work together in the future as we have done in the past. If you and Golf Saudi would find it helpful, then perhaps a call between the two of us and our respective chairman would be a logical next step. So, Number one, it's shockingly bad grammar from Keith Pelly, who is in charge of the DP World Tour. Number two, T-Dub, it proves that they were in negotiations back in 2021 with the Saudis. And then they tried to use the politics of the situation to deter players and fans from supporting Liv. This is before Liv ever even existed. This is when Liv was called the PGL, as you heard in that email. But clearly, this proves even more so what we knew from the beginning that Jay Monahan and the Saudis could not come to an agreement on how to make everybody happy money-wise as far as that fall series went. Back when the Saudis proposed it, back a couple years ago, T-Dub, before Liv ever even existed, they've been in talks since before 2021 based on this email, T-Dub. And this is public. So for, for clarification, this email was sent on June 15th, 2021, at essentially 11 a.m., whatever time zone they were in. So to put that in perspective, that is over two years ago from the date that we have today. Over two years. So, yes, that goes – it shows back how far these things can go when business talkings actually started. And they started probably long before this email was even sent. So, yes, it – once again, all things that – maybe just us being more inside the game of golf, maybe we just understand more, Sam. I don't know. It, it's one of the things that's boggling my mind is that it seems like so many things that are coming out since – even since the merger, even a little bit before the merger. It's like we called these things. We've been saying this. We've been saying the turf is I didn't necessarily know they were scripting players' interviews and telling them what to say, but I thought that they essentially had a very high very high stake in what these players were talking about. And, like, for example, when Rory came out, and I can't remember the exact comments he said, but sort of along the lines of, like, golf needs to – there needs to be some mutual ground being held with them and how the animosity in golf isn't good. And the next thing – you know, next time Rory McIlroy speaks, he sounds entirely different about it. So if he just read between the lines, you would see these things were there. It's just now, how is this all 
going to play out going forward with the merger. That's what's most interesting about it. How these things came out before the merger was announced, maybe that's another reason why they rushed the announcement of it. Because if this, if all this stuff came out before the merger was announced, it would have been even more chaos in a dumpster fire than it already is. There's just so I thought there was a lot of moving pieces when it came to this Ryder Cup thing, Sam. But the moving pieces of this merger are absolutely crazy to me. And the fact that even more stuff's coming out means that there's going to be even more that comes out in the next month or so. And then next thing you know, in six months, well, how much information are we going to have on the table? It, it's pretty crazy to me. It's just the craziest thing about that's come out from this, Sam, is just the, how little a power the players have actually had on this tour. It's actually almost mind-boggling the more I think about it. No, it really is. And the more information that comes out after the merger news happened, you know, what what's it been? Like a month? Uh, has it even been a month? It's been, it felt it's felt like a it year. Came out, it came out June sixth was the day and today is July third. So we're yeah. almost at almost a month. But yeah, month. we're what, 20, 27, 28 days, something like that. Right. And so the point is the PGA tour by the day just comes off looking so, so disgusting on this deal. The fact that they drug guys through the mud and and guys' names through the mud, like a Charles Howell who's nothing but a great guy that people love on both tours, or a Taylor Gooch, or a Dustin Johnson, or a Brooks Koepka, uh, Phil Mickelson especially. They drug those guys' names through the mud, and, and yes, they used the politics and compared the Saudis to terrorists and all of this stuff that is absolutely disgusting to think about that they were in negotiations and couldn't come to an agreement on the money to make sense for that fall series all in the first place. So they used it as a tactic to get the PR on their side, which was very successful in brainwashing a lot of people into thinking, T-Dub, the whole point that I've been saying the entire time is the entire golf world is doing the exact same thing, T-Dub. That's what I said over these past two years. They were all doing what was best for themselves, and it clearly has come out over this past month that I was right on the money with that, and you were too. 100%, yeah, it's any business entity is going to want to do what's best for them. And it's the fact that whenever all this came out, even in the last coming months, uh, one golf tour could be absolutely victimized and the other tour could be praised as the holy grail of golf and how without this, golf would not exist. Without the PGA Tour, golf would cease to be a thing. And it's just, I don't believe in that. I believe that the players make the tour. Without the players, the tour would not exist. Without the likes of a Tiger Woods, a Phil Mickelson coming up, you look at guys like Roy McIlroy, Jordan Spieth now, Ricky Fowler even coming back in the stretch. Without these guys, golf would not be where it is. It's not necessarily what tour it is. It's the players that are on the tour. That's just what I've been saying this entire time. And people who couldn't read between the lines and what the PGA Tour was trying to do and the things they were saying, and it's come back to bite them in the ass now. I hate to say it, it has. And and even some people still haven't been able to seek the realization of it. They still believe the stuff that Jay Monahan and all these people are going to be in charge of professional golf going forward. And anyone who wants to believe that, okay, good luck to you. That's, that's, your, own, that's your own fault at this point. It really is. It shocks me how many people truly believe that a billionaire is going to invest billions of dollars into a business that just ran their business into the ground and give that business that just ran their business into the ground full control? That's never happened in the history of business, T-Dub. Can we stop 
believing the PGA Tour lies. And it makes, like you said, you made a great point. It makes Rory McIlroy's comments over the past year make a whole lot of sense. They were being written by the PGA Tour. Literally. I didn't think they were actually writing them. I expected there'd be some spokesman who would have some sort of, you know, a mini prepared speech. And then they might say a couple of things, but then most of the things they say would have been their own viewpoints. But apparently they were the puppet master to what they wanted Tiger Woods to say, which is absolutely crazy to me how Tiger cannot say what he wants to say in the game of golf. And to have that be how golf goes forward, or at least be a big point where it goes forward, the greatest golfer of all time should be able to say his own thoughts and how he thinks the state of golf is. And I think that he should have a complete saying. And that's why one of the things that going forward, I would love for Tiger to be a part ownership in some way, the PGA Tour, the new business entity, whatever, because I know that he wants to do what's going to be best for the game of golf. Is he going to make money along the lines? Yes. But I don't think that Tiger Woods would blatantly do something just to make him millions of dollars that he knows would hurt golf, in, in my opinion. He might actually, like I said, he's going to make money in everything that he does going forward. But he's not going to purposely hurt the game. There are people who want to get into it for the money. They could do things just to make money that would hurt the game of golf. And I do not want people like that in charge. That's the thing that I am worried about going forward. So, no, it's – once again, yes, if you if you want to believe the things that are being told to you and the things that you hear, make sure that you check the sources on where it's coming from. And then if you want to believe it from there, that's going to be your decision going forward. But – at this point, the evidence keeps coming out, Sam, and how much more is going to come out, I'm not sure. But at this point, if you can't see the PGA Tour said 98% of the things they did for their own best interest and not necessarily for the game of golf, I, I truly don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to say either. And, it, and the last thing I'll say on this whole situation and the fallout from the live merger news is why – are so many PGA Tour fans or whatever you want to call them, supporters of the PGA Tour, why are they coming out saying the DOJ is going to shut this down? Do they realize what they're saying? Because be careful what you ask for. If the PGA Tour live merger gets shut down, the players are going to go to live because live will hold all of the leverage. And what did you say, T-Dub? The players make the tour. And clearly, the players had no say in what was going on on the PGA Tour. So obviously, they ran it into the ground. So my point is, live will hold not only all the leverage in getting players if it doesn't go through. Live now has better PR than it's ever had considering we see how big a sickos the PGA Tour were and how big a hypocrites they were throughout this whole thing that the the public perception has definitely shifted in favor of live after all of this because we see the hypocrisy that was on one side that wasn't on the other. In my opinion, T-Dub, and I think it's just a fact that the PGA Tour is the one that better hope that this merger goes through. Oh, there's zero doubt about that. Here's what will happen if, for whatever reason, that the, the, the DOJ tries to say the merger won't occur, which I'll get into that in a second, why I don't think there's a chance, but maybe it doesn't. PJ Tour purses, especially for these elevated events, will drop. They will not be able to get $3.6 million going forward because the sponsors do not want to pay that money. For example, MasterCard for the Bay Hill tournament was had to pay how much ever more in millions well, they already had a great field every year. What do they need three or four more of the great players make them pay almost twice as much money? Why would they do that? It doesn't make any sense. 
So, no, the purses are going to have to drop because they're not going to be able to pay it up. Players are going to leave. You're going to have the, some of the best players in the world go to live. Any player who has a chance to go to live and stays on the PGA Tour, if this happens, would be would be a very stupid business decision, at least from my perspective. And then, going back to, we said this before on the, on the podcast, I talked about this. The fact that the Supreme Court ruled that Saudi Arabia can own water rights, the Navajo tribe in, Austin, in Arizona, and say that they can't run a golf tour is a little bit ridiculous to me. And then you have the people that are saying this, saying the DOJ may shut it down. Okay, you have you have a PGA Tour, DP World Tour alliance before this happened. That wasn't a, a DOJ infraction, wasn't a monopoly. But you add live, which is an entity that they said was a joke, would never make money. You add that to the equation. Now it's a monopoly. It's just a hypocrisy on so many levels does not add up. If you think about it, so no, I don't, like I said, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know this fully in depth. I just don't see a world where the DOJ does shut this down over the precedents that have been set over just even in the last couple of weeks. I think you're right. And I also think that the DOJ eventually would understand that if they do shut it down, it will literally be the end of the PGA Tour because of all the reasons you just laid out. I didn't even talk about the sponsors. You make a great point with that as well. And yeah, of course, some guys will stay on the PGA Tour, but there's going to be a whole bunch of leverage that Liv has to get a guy like a John Rahm or a Patrick Cantlay or Xander Shoffley. Then how much does the balance shift towards Liv considering it already has a bunch of really solid players as half of the major champions this year already. It has half of them over the last four majors. It has half of the major champions. T-Dub, that'll wrap it up for us today. Coming up next, we will play our radio show from Sunday that has our live reactions in case you missed it here on this 4th of July weekend. Happy 4th to everybody. T-Dub, you got any plans for the 4th? Well, I'm playing a uh, little 18-hole golf tournament tomorrow. Um, I was telling this to you um, off the air that I am actually having LASIK surgery the day after July 4th, on July 5th. And because it's a surgery, I'm not allowed to essentially take any type of substance, whether it be alcohol, smoke, anything like that, for 48 hours. So I'm going to have a very boring July 4th compared to what everyone else does. (laughs) It's like when you get your wisdom teeth taken out on Thanksgiving and can't eat food. That's all fun of 4th of July, right? Uh, Anyways, I hope that goes well, T-Dub. I hope you find more balls in the rough (laughs) now having LASIK. Uh, Mr. Eagle Eye over here. This has been Sam Humphreys, Jim Woodward, Taylor Williams on the 73rd Hole Podcast. Like I said, go hit that subscribe button. It's absolutely free and it will give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode. And stay tuned to our new episodes coming up later on in the week because I'm pretty sure we're going to have a special guest later on in the week here on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd Hole Podcast. Hello, golfers. Hey, golfers here. Now live on WWLS, the sports animal, this is the 73rd Hole with Sam Humphreys. I'm Tiger Woods. I'm Tiger Woods. Sam. Oklahoma's premier golf show giving you insider access and interviews to golf in the state of Oklahoma and on the PGA Tour. Good shot. It's the 73rd hole. I love (laughs) y'all. On 98.1 FM, WWLS, the sports animal.
What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Radio Show live on the Sports Animal. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Preston Poole with you until noon. And fellas, we have a lot to get into today. Obviously, we have the Rocket Mortgage Classic going on up in Detroit. Ricky Fowler in the lead. I'm trying to look up the leaderboard because they are going on at the same time as the Live Golf in Andalusia. Spain is going on. Ricky Fowler, by the way, two-shot lead at 23 under. uh, Two shots over Adam Hadwin. Colin Morikawa in third place. They are through about seven holes of the final round. Ricky, three under on the final round. Adam Hadwin, two under. Colin Morikawa, four under. Um, Adam Shank and Taylor Moore, friend of the show, is our tied for fourth. So we will get into that. We have four holes to play at Live Golf Andalusia. Seven, uh, let's see, seven Sorry, guys. I'm trying to get both leaderboards to load right now. This is like overload, Preston. But T-Dub, what's up? Just help me out for a second. We got four holes to play. Bryson DeChambeau and Taylor Gooch both tied for the lead at 10 under par. Brooks Kepka two shots back at eight under par. What have been your thoughts from all this golf this morning? By the way, the Rocket Mortgage went off early due to inclement weather coming up in the afternoon. It's just an absolute golf overload this morning, Sam. Generally, whenever we do our Sunday morning radio show, it's all previewing, right? Because all the stuff is generally coming up in the afternoon. But we have storms coming in Detroit, so we've got already action heading out there. we got three holes left over at Valderrama, one of the best golf courses in the world. And then, even on the Golf Channel right now, as I'm watching, we have the DP World Tour, the British Masters at the Belfry, another course that's hosted the Ryder Cup, is finishing up as we speak. So there's just so much golf going on right now, Sam. It's very different for us because usually we've already have all our information ready and we're going on to it, but there's so many moving parts right now, Sam. It's going to be a, a very unique show trying to see if we can keep up with everything. No, it absolutely is. And the reason why the start of the show was a little shaky there, T is I was watching Taylor Gooch battle DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka, And like I said, they have four holes to play right now. We'll keep you updated on that. Like I said, Taylor Gooch and Bryson DeChambeau both tied at 10 under par. Brooks at eight under. Um, but I did not realize that the Rocket Mortgage teed off early. And right before the start of the show, I looked at, you know, the tee times like I always do before the start of each show. I did not realize that that had gone off early. I've been, you know, keeping up with live. It's tough to keep up with two tournaments at one time, but we do have two Oklahoma guys. Like I just said, Taylor Gooch, obviously tied with Bryson. And then you have Taylor Moore tied for fourth at the rocket mortgage up in Detroit, but your pick, I got to give it up to you. T dub. You've been critical of Ricky Fowler, but you actually picked him on the podcast to win this week. Uh, what have you seen from Ricky Fowler so far in this final round as well? Ricky has just been trending in the right direction for really quite a long time. Now we've all been able to see it is so close to the U S open had the bad final round finish, but even before then, finished 13th last week of the Travelers. Shot what he shoot 60 in the, in the third round, I believe. Then he finished ninth at the Memorial, sixth at the Charles Schwab. So he's been trending in the right direction in particular. And you look at this week, kind of similar how he's done it all year. He's gaining more than half a shot approach to green, hitting his iron spectacularly, and then gaining more than a full shot on the greens as well. So the putter has been absolutely tremendous as well. So, And, and you look at Ricky as well, and you see how he was at the U.S. Open. You think, well, maybe this stage is a little bit too big for him. 
Well, not only is Rocket Mortgage not an elevated event, but it's also he's an ambassador of the tournament. He's been sponsored by Rocket Mortgage for it feels like hundreds of years now. All the people who have been critical, sort of like myself of Ricky, who have said, well, he, he's on commercials a lot more than he wins tournaments. Well, Rocket Mortgage was one of the reasons he was on all those commercials. So I feel like that it was just a fitting place for him to try to get it done. Not an overly difficult golf course up there in Detroit, so it's not one of those places where it was like the U.S. Open where par is a good score. If you're making pars out there, you're going to be losing a little bit of ground. It definitely looks like Ricky is off uh, to a good start this afternoon. What is he? He's uh, three under through seven holes. So that's uh, whenever you come out with the one-shot lead being three under through seven on any golf course, you're going to be in really good shape. There's no doubt about it. As Taylor Gooch rolls in a 10-foot par putt uh, on the 15th hole, the par three, so he is still tied for the lead with Bryson DeChambeau at 10 under par. If you haven't seen much of the live golf this morning, you haven't missed a whole lot because Taylor Gooch has basically, you know, been rock solid. He birdied number six bogeyed number nine, but then came right back with a birdie at number 10 did birdie 13 uh, Bryson DeChambeau birdie number four uh, bogey number five, then birdie number eight and has parred every single hole uh, and has about a five foot par putt here at 15. Um, what have you seen as far as Taylor Gooch, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka? My pick for this week at the live event, Patrick Reed, uh, is six under on the day. Um, Dustin Johnson, not having a great day. Uh, he is one under on his round. I really love this course, T-Dub. I feel like Valderrama could hold a major. It is extremely tough, and it seems like it's separating the better players on this leaderboard. If you look at the top of this leaderboard, like I said, Gooch, DeChambeau, Kepka, Patrick Reed, Munoz, who's played some really solid golf this year on Live, Dustin Johnson, Sergio Garcia, who we talked about on the podcast, absolutely loves this place. Uh, it seems like Valderrama is really separating. Uh, and what have you seen uh, just from the top of this leaderboard? Yeah, Valderrama is one of the best golf courses in the world. I completely agree. It's not an overly long golf course. It's less than 7,000 yards. I believe this week they marked it at 6,985 yards. And it's a lot of holes you're not going to be able to hit driver on. This morning, seen a lot of, a lot of our man TG hitting some hybrids off the tee, just putting himself into position, leaving himself some mid to even longer irons coming in the greens. But that's a course that's really going to suit up well for his game. And Bryson is just, he's been, we talk about Ricky training in the right direction. Bryson has been doing the same thing as well. He's had some very, uh, very high finishes over the last uh, couple of weeks as well. He finished 20th at the U S open, finished top 10 at DC, had a top five finish at the PGA championship and even finished seventh up at Tulsa, which where it seemed like they kind of started to get a little bit back more in the groove. One thing I've seen from Bryson in particularly on this back nine, uh, since, uh, since they've started to get into a little bit more contention, on it, he's, his distance control is starting to struggle with his irons, and that's something that Bryson always struggles with. One thing we talk about all the time, Sam, is that pressure will expose your weaknesses, and that's that's what we've seen right now from Bryson, at least for me. It seems like on number ten, he had a, like 120 yards in, he hit it 45 feet past the hole, had to have a miraculous two putt uh, just, just to be able to do that. And then on number eleven, he actually got very fortunate and he hit two provisional balls off of the tee box. <laughs> yes, he there was did. a situation where. He, he was hitting five, but luckily he was able to find the first ball, and then he hit it to about 20 feet for, for Bert. He had a 20-footer for Birdie, and he hit one of the worst putts I've ever seen a professional golfer hit. He left it eight feet short of the hole and then just ends up cashing that. So Bryson has definitely done a few things he's needed to do to be able to stay in this tournament. But his weaknesses, which have been accuracy with the driver and distance control with his irons, have sort of gotten exposed. But he has made, was it, seven straight pars now with three holes to go with uh, number 17, the par five, one of the best holes in the world coming up. I cannot wait to see how this tournament finishes. 
no doubt about it. They are teeing off on number 16 right now, that final group of Taylor Gooch, DeChambeau, and Kepka. Um, yeah, that situation with Bryson on number 10 was crazy. So if you are trying to picture this hole, you have literal hedges down the left side of this fairway, and it's two giant rows of hedges that Bryson it would probably be one of the only players in the field to be able to carry. So he thought he hit not only his first, uh, but his second tee ball into those hedges, but he actually carried it, caught a break, then wanted to hit a three wood out of a buried lie in the rough. Uh, and his caddy said one of the funniest things I've ever heard. He goes, uh, Bryson, you want to take about 10 seconds here and think about this? <laughs> and he ends up convincing Bryson to lay up uh, and he makes the easy par. Talk about some of those situations, T-Dub, because I feel like that is one nice part about live is you can hear every little conversation between player and caddy. I feel like that happens a little bit more often where a player in contention, maybe a little nervous, gets a little flustered, maybe gets going a little bit quick and the caddy has to slow him down. And uh, Bryson eventually said, yeah, that doesn't make sense because further on in the conversation after he said, let's take 10 seconds. Bryson's caddy looks at him and he goes, what's the best thing that's going to happen here? <laughs> and Bryson's like, yeah, you're right. I I'm just going to lay up. But I thought it was an interesting kind of uh, conversation that Bryson and his caddy had there on number 10. And it was a really solid job because that could have gone sideways. And like you said, he birdied his next five holes after that. So it kind of calmed him down. Yeah, well, you got to think too. Sam, his blood has to be rushing at how many ever miles an hour. He just hit three T-balls off the off the box. So you're thinking anything could go wrong here. He was looking at nine or maybe potentially make it a ten in, in the picture. But he was able to find that ball, got a little bit lucky as well. It's one of those situations where he missed it so far left that it actually opened up for him a little bit, a little bit of benefit of being even more crooked as he hits, uh, hits his three-wood off of the 16th hole over in the right rough. Actually got a break. It kind of went right through the tree. Our man TG is right down the middle of the fairway. So looking good on that aspect. But, yeah, Sam, it can happen a lot of times because everyone thinks that during in pressure situations, your swing, that that can mess up. But it's also what happens between the ears. So you think, oh, I'll just find Bryson. He just finds this ball. He's able to hit a second shot. Oh, I can get this three-wood up there by the green. They have the camera essentially right on top of him, and I can't see this ball. So like, there's there's no way he's going to be able to hit this out. I can see a situation where he, the, he hits it and the ball rolls five feet. He could have a situation where – because he still has to hit over the hedges that he hit it to the left of. So he could easily hit it in there. I say good job from the caddy of being able to talk him out of it because even from a caddy's perspective, caddy can, caddies can have choking situations as well where he could have said, okay, Bryson, and even the, the caddy said they said, you're the boss. You get to decide what you want, but let's let's just go ahead and think about this just a little bit further. And it was a good decision that he did. As I mentioned, he had to make an eight-footer for par, but that wasn't necessarily the decision of going for it. It was the fact that he had a horrible birdie putt in there. So, so yeah, great job. That's a situation where the caddy potentially saved Bryson multiple shots, which are coming in very pivotal right now considering him and TG are just two shots ahead of Brooks Kepka, who's also making a charge at him. So let's talk about Gooch and DeChambeau. Gooch this year... And his last five events, he finished 15th in D.C., missed the cut at the PGA, finished 36th at that wild week for him at Live Tulsa, having all those obligations off the course. Obviously, one in Singapore before that, one in Adelaide before that, uh, finished tied for 34th in the Masters, and obviously was not allowed to play in the U.S. Open. My question to you, T-Dub, is... Talking about Taylor Gooch, we talked a lot about Dustin Johnson 
possibly being a pick for the Ryder Cup team. Taylor Gooch, if he wins today, would be the only American with three wins around the world uh, this year. And so you would think that that would have to at least warrant a conversation for one of those last six Ryder Cup picks if Taylor Gooch were to win for the third time going up against guys like DeShambo and Kepka and Patrick Reed and Dustin Johnson doing it for the third time this year. I think that he is one of the more underrated guys that you would probably want in a Ryder Cup scenario. One of the reasons why he went to live was team golf. He loves it. I completely agree, Sam. I think one thing to notice out of his finish is he's in contention here, has a great chance to win. The two other wins that he had were in Australia and Singapore. So he plays extremely great. He's playing extremely great outside of the United States. And where is the Ryder Cup this year? In Rome. How are they going to set the course up, as we've detailed on our podcast pretty good the last couple of weeks? The Europeans are going to set the course up very similar to what we're seeing this week. You're going to have some long rough. It's going to be penalizing if you miss the fairway. It's going to be a situation where you don't necessarily have to overpower the golf course. It's going to be a lot more placement, stay below the hole. Greens will probably be a little bit slower. And so I feel like all these things are definitely setting up for TG's value. But unfortunately, there's about 16, 17 guys right now who are in contention to to have a chance at that spot. And so it's it's just making Zach Johnson's job even harder going forward. But I, I will say this. If TG was doing the things that he was doing, that he's been doing on live on the PJ Tour, I think that he would have a, a, a lot more people would be talking about him. And I think that he would probably have a great chance to make that spot, even over some of the bigger names who we've detailed who just aren't playing extremely well at the moment. And then Bryson, we'll get more back into the Ryder Cup later on in the show after these tournaments finish up, or at least after the live event finishes up. Like I said, three holes to play. DeShambo and Gooch tied for the lead, Kepka two shots back. Uh, talking about DeShambo this year, Taylor, he finished tied for 20th at the U.S. Open, 10th in D.C., finished tied for 4th at the PGA, finished 7th at Live Tulsa, and it seems like Ironically, when we talked to him at Live Tulsa, that was right when he was kind of figuring something out. He seemed a lot happier. He seemed healthier. He seemed like he wanted to talk to the media. Ironically, he gave probably the most candid answers to the media of any of the players that we talked to, and a lot of players were giving very candid answers. It seems like Bryson has turned over a new leaf uh, here in the last year or so, and T-Dub, I mean, he is playing some really consistent good golf it really consistently good golf and so Bryson says that he wants to get back to what he was doing back in 2018 obviously he won the U.S. Open after 2018 but he said that whatever he felt like in 2018 when he was hitting fairways and hitting greens and I think distance control is a big factor in that like you talked about earlier with Bryson I feel like he's getting those things dialed in and I think we're starting to see that old dominant Bryson like we saw in amateur golf and once he got things figured out after he switched from side saddle on the PGA Tour and started dominating T-Dub it's pretty funny to me that Bryson keeps going back to 2018 as a reference scoring because you look at how he's done analytically throughout his career in 2018, he gained 1.62 shots total. In 2020, he gained 1.73 total, which was just a little bit better. But in 2021, he gained over two shots total. So you would think that Bryson, being the numbers guy that he is, would go back to that point and think that that was the best that he was playing. But no, he, he looks at 2018 where he won back-to-back -back playoff events. That year. He won the Northern Trust and he won the Dell uh, Technologies Championship. 
back to back, and then he finished. He he should have probably probably won the Tour Championship, or at least won the FedEx Cup. I mean, but he finished nineteenth and nineteenth the last two weeks uh, to not get it done. But now Bryson, even seeing it up at Live Tulsa. He's the prime example of these guys. shows these guys still care. Everyone's saying these guys go to live. Oh, they're not going to practice. They're not going to care. Bryson was out there practicing for like five hours after the round. So the fact that he was out there hitting balls for the entirety of the Laney Wilson concert afterwards just shows that, that how much he does want to get his form back and to get back to where he was and to what he calls 2018 his best golf. The numbers say differently, but that's how he, he feels it. And he's, he's definitely getting back on that right track as well. It just t- it takes time. It's so kind of like what we're seeing with Ricky. There's going to be some growing pains along the way. Who knows? Maybe he'll get it done these last three holes here and beat our man TG. I'm definitely hoping that that's not the case. But similar to what we've seen with Ricky, and everyone says that his win is coming. May not be today, but it's coming. Same thing with Bryson. Even if, for whatever reason, he doesn't get it done these last two to three holes, Bryson will win at some point pretty soon. No doubt. I, I totally agree with you. It seems like he's getting things figured out. And I think the biggest thing with Bryson – is confidence. And I think sometimes he has to convince himself that he's doing the right thing. Uh, Sometimes I feel like he may be doing the right thing and not think that it's right. And he has zero confidence in it. And then he gets out on the course and has no clue where the ball's going because he doesn't believe in himself sometimes. And I think that's why he does all the weird scientific stuff is to try to convince himself that he's doing all of the right things. Um, One guy that was in a dark place similar to where Bryson was, obviously Bryson dealt with injuries as well last year with the surgery on the hand. Brooks Kepka dealt with the surgery on the knee, obviously came back, won the PGA championship earlier on this year. He's eight under for the tournament today, playing really solid golf. He just seems like he's back as well to being one of the forces in professional golf. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how a Bryson and a Brooks kind of ingratiate themselves into what this new look will be on the PGA tour slash live. We don't know exactly the format of the schedule, but I think it's going to be certain that DeChambeau and Kepka and Gooch are going to be on top of these leaderboards wherever they're playing, because all three of these guys seem to be playing with confidence and have motivation to kind of prove something to the golf world. All very, all very true. And there's the, one thing about Kepka that's good to see is that he's starting to play good in tournaments that aren't necessarily majors. Even when he was on the PJ Tour, it seemed like if there wasn't a, a major attached to the title of the of the championship, then he just didn't have, he didn't seem focused. But it seems like this week he's definitely staying focused. He's currently uh, two back with uh, two with two and a half holes left to go in this tournament. He did finish 17th at the U.S. Open at a course that he openly said he did not like. So that's even a positive sign on that aspect as well. So now. Uh, it, the, and what's funny about it too, Sam, is it feels like forever ago that we had this Brooks Bryson feud. You, I would have thought that here, knowing that they're paired up with our man TG, it was such a great final group. There would have been a lot more animosity, but they've been able to patch it up ever since then. So that's been a positive thing to see as well. But as far as the the golf games go, it's I think all these guys are trending in a great direction to the Open Championship Horn Lake. I think that they're going to have to be on the short list of guys you look at for that championship as well. And so. They're peaking at the right time, and it's uh, it's good to see because all of these guys have so much talent. And you don't see like injuries with and and Bryson had some injuries as well, but his was kind of a little bit more self-inflicted in my opinion. So just to see them finally coming back and at least closing more golf as they did at their peak is a beautiful thing to see, no doubt. Absolutely, we'll try to get reconnected with Taylor there, get a little bit better connection for the next segment. Um. 
Dustin Johnson also on this leaderboard. I think he's another favorite headed into Hoy Lake. I'm really excited for that British Open. A lot of guys playing some really solid golf. We'll dive more into that, but to update you guys on these two tournaments going on right now, Taylor Gooch and Bryson DeChambeau are tied for the lead of Live Andalusia in Spain at uh, 10 under par through 15 holes. Brooks Kepka two shots back in that one. And then you have Ricky Fowler with a one-shot lead through eight holes of his final round. Adam Hadwin just made a birdie uh, to get to 22 under. One shot back of Ricky Fowler. Colin Morikawa solo third. And Taylor Moore solo fourth place with eight holes left for Taylor Moore. Taylor is four under in his final round. We will update you guys more on that here on the 73rd hole radio show. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, and Preston Poole with you till noon on Oklahoma's leader in golf, the sports animal. Here on the 73rd Hole Radio Show, Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Preston Poole with you until noon on this holiday weekend. T-Dub, do you have any updates for us on the uh, 4th of July tournament out in Chickasha? I know that's a big deal. I know that Westwood does a big 4th of July tournament. There's tournaments everywhere on this 4th of July weekend. Is it this weekend or next weekend? Since 4th of July is in the middle of the week this week, I, I don't even know. Yeah, it definitely throws a confusing wrench in the schedule. But, no, there, there's an abundance of 4th of July tournaments going around right now. It's a beautiful holiday as well. It's it's a question of are we going to shoot the fireworks off on Sunday night or tonight because it's the weekend? Are we going to wait till Tuesday to do it? it? It poses quite a predicament. But I know one thing. You could just do the what, what we should do and just celebrate the entire four days. Start yesterday and go all the way to the fourth and just make it a half-week-long escapade. So that that would probably be the way to go. But I, Fourth of July is one of my favorite holidays. I believe, Sam, I don't want to speak for you, but I know it's one of your favorites as well. Great way to celebrate the, our great country and also to uh, see some nice fireworks and eat some good food, which is at this age, that's what I look forward to the most. No doubt about it. Preston, you got any 4th of July plans? Did you already do your 4th of July plans? I know you're working this weekend. A lot of people are up at the lake this weekend, possibly driving back right now, listening to the 73rd hole. But are you doing anything throughout this week? Uh, we have Thunder Summer League, so I will be uh, I'll be doing that. That's fun. <laughs> That'll be a good time. <laughs> Some fireworks at the Thunder Summer League. Uh, by the way, Chet, planning on playing, right? Uh, yes, can confirm. Yeah, Chet is going to be playing in Summer League. That'll actually be entertaining to watch. Uh, by the way, so we are trying to keep you guys updated on both of these golf tournaments right now at Live Andalusia in Spain. Taylor Gooch and Bryson DeChambeau both tied for the lead at 10 under par. Brooks at 8 under par, two shots back. Brooks and Taylor Gooch in the middle of the fairway on the 17th hole. And Bryson looked to be left. I'm not sure exactly where that ball ended up. We will keep you updated on that. Uh, But Taylor Gooch looks to be in the driver's seat on the 17th hole at Valderrama. Um, Ricky Fowler in the lead, former Oklahoma State golfer, obviously, at the Rocket Mortgage up in Detroit, T-Dub. And Ricky, when we have been talking about this Ryder Cup team, We are looking for consistency, and Ricky 
over the past two months has been one of the most consistent players on the PGA Tour. Now, he doesn't have a win, but listen to some of these finishes. He finished 13th at the Travelers, 5th at the U.S. Open, 9th at the Memorial, 6th at the Charles Schwab. He missed the cut at the PGA, and that was actually the only tournament since the Genesis Invitational at Riviera that he lost shots on the greens. But going back before the PGA Championship, he finished 14th at the Wells Fargo Elevated Event. He finished 15th at the RBC Heritage Elevated Event. He finished 10th at the Valero Texas Open. 17th at the Dell Technologies Match Play. Now, that 17th is not as good since it was a match play um, event. But then he finished 13th at the Players. This guy... T-Dub is playing some really consistent golf, and it's just a matter of time until he wins. It could be just a matter of hours until he wins. He has a one-shot lead right now through nine holes over Adam Hadwin. Both guys three under par for the final round. But, Taylor, number one, what is Ricky Fowler doing to play so consistent? And number two, would you consider him for one of those Ryder Cup picks? At this point, Sam, I don't see a world where Ricky Fowler isn't going to be picked for this team. He's just playing too consistently good, and he's more. he could get a win this afternoon. If he doesn't, he's going to have, at worst, that's a top three, top four finish. He's currently the 10th-ranked player analytically, and so that will just go up after the finish this week. So, you no, know, I think that he's, he's earned himself a spot on, onto the team at this point. I, like I said, also, too, the fact that he's such a likable guy and all the guys who are already going to be on the team uh, absolutely love Ricky Fowler. So, no, I, I'm, I think at this point it's 90, 95, 96% chance he's going to be on that Ryder Cup team, maybe even higher, unless there's still a decent amount of golf to be played. Maybe he misses three cuts in a row or something, and, and some other guys just come up and play good. We've already had Wyndham Clark and Keegan Bradley throw entire wrenches in this deal, maybe our man Taylor Moore, who's currently fourth to this, maybe somehow if he wins this tournament and then he comes out and keeps having more finishes good in the playoffs, he could jump his way up there. So, like I said, there's a bunch of golf to be played, Sam, but at this point, I, I would be overly shocked if Ricky Fowler is not on the Ryder Cup team. I think you're probably right. Just based off of the consistency, and let's use common sense here, I think that a big factor is the fact that he's playing on the PGA Tour. I think he has a massive advantage over a guy like a Dustin Johnson or a Taylor Gooch, right? I mean, as far as getting one of those captain's picks, they're going Zach Johnson and the PGA of America, even though it's not affiliated with the PGA Tour. They're buddy-buddy in a lot of scenarios, and I feel like, uh, Ricky Fowler is going to have a whole lot better chance of making the Ryder Cup team than a Dustin Johnson or a Taylor Gooch just based off of what tour he plays. Um, you mentioned Taylor Moore. Now, that is very interesting. Now, T. Moore, he finished uh, fourth in the Zurich Classic, which was the team event. He won the Valspar Championship for, to get his first win on the PGA Tour. He's missed his last three cuts headed into this week, uh, but T-Dub, playing some unbelievable golf uh, this week. Four under par for his final round, 20 under for the golf tournament. Uh, Taylor Moore is one of those guys that has been elite at every single level from the time that we met him when he was like eight years old, dominating in South Central sections and the OJGT in high school, and then went on to college, had a great college career at Arkansas after that, then went to the Corn Ferry Tour, then the web.com. I think missed it by one shot, then went through the injuries with the punctured lung and all of that, came back and 
made the PGA Tour and now is taking full advantage of it. Taylor Moore is one of those names that we knew was going to be a star, at least up there on leaderboards on the PGA Tour from the time he was a little kid, T-Dub, and and it's finally coming to fruition. Taylor Moore is one of those guys that when he gets the putter hot, his ball striking is so elite uh, that he can compete with anybody in the world. One thing we mentioned about the Ryder Cup that's so pivotal is making sure you find good form at the right time. It looks like Taylor Moore is starting to do that, at least this week. As you mentioned, had not been playing very well coming into this tournament. Had missed three cuts in a row, and then even at the PGA Championship, he made the cut but finished 72nd. So he had not had his best stuff since his win at the Valspar back in March, and he also got to play at the Masters where he made the cut as well. So it looks like he's starting to get a little bit closer back to that. The last three tournaments, he had not putted very well at all, had lost strokes uh, those entire three weeks on the greens, and that's something that is usually a very strong suit uh, of T. Moore's. And even this week, it shows that it's kind of turned around. He's gaining more than two shots on the greens for the entire event. Where, where it let him down was yesterday, though, Sam. He lost uh, essentially a full shot on the green, just couldn't get – just really could not buy a putt. Shot three under 69, but whenever everyone's out there going so low, especially the leaders, you have to be able to to keep up with that pace. And unfortunately, he just didn't make enough putts yesterday to be able to do that. But still, right there, there's a, still a decent amount of golf to be played this afternoon. I believe they're essentially through 10, 11 holes now at this point. So he's sitting currently three back of Ricky Fowler. So he could definitely make a move, especially he's got 14 and 17 left. Those are both par fives. So there's a, definitely a lot more volatility that could go on at the Rocket Mortgage here in just the next few hours. There's no doubt about it. Watching Bryson DeChambeau here on the par 5 17th, 536-yard par 5. Uh, and Bryson, T-Dub, looked to be an absolute jail off the tee. Hit it through about, I don't know, a 5-foot gap in the trees and hit it all the way over the water, went for the green, out of the rough, buried lie, out of the rough, hit it all the way over the water, over the green, and now has a pretty straightforward chip uh, for Eagle on the 17th hole. Uh, TG looked to be in the driver's seat there, T-Dub, and now TG is, uh, I mean, he's still kind of in the driver's seat if he can put this ball on the green, but unbelievable shot (laughs) from Bryson DeChambeau there. It truly was. It goes to show his creativity that he can have in these situations where his distance is very paramount as well. Uh, a lot of players wouldn't be able to hit that shot just because they're not able to hit it at that low of trajectory and hit it that far. So now crops to Bryson. That's one of the reasons why he can stay in a lot of golf tournaments and on even on difficult golf courses, it, like a course like this, it really excels him to come out because he can still overpower a lot of holes as well, even no matter what course. Even this course, it really kind of takes the bombers out of it, Bryson is going to show that he has a more of a complete game, and if he is going to be able to pull this out, it, it would be uh, great for his career. But our man TG, as you said, is right there, and hopefully we can. Uh, hopefully he can hoist the trophy. But we, at this point, we may have a playoff as well, Sam, and that'd be very entertaining as well. So I'm uh, I'm very enthralled into this golf tournament. There's zero doubt. Taylor, let's head to the trade pros, Heat and Air Text Nation line. Uh, Someone from the 405 says, I love the show. Now, if we can just get Coach Jones to ask some golf trivia questions during the week of a major, I think that's a good idea. Maybe we should uh, ask Coach Jones to come on and do some trivia. That would be a good idea. I like that idea. Uh, Another text coming in from the 405. It says, Rick has played better than both DJ and Gooch over the last several months, not to mention on a much tougher tour. Uh, 
T-Dub, would you like to take that one? Number one, I mean, Rick has not won yet. So I, I think that you have to give Taylor Gooch credit for having the two wins. Now, you can argue strength of field. I would argue depth of field uh, with Ricky Fowler playing on the PGA Tour, not necessarily strength of field considering Liv has the last two out of the last four major winners. Uh, and we've seen how they've competed in major championships as far as the Masters, obviously, uh, Taylor Gooch played better than Ricky Fowler there. Um, but at the PGA championship, Taylor Gooch missed the cut and Ricky Fowler did not, but, uh, Ricky's been consistent. Uh, but Taylor Gooch, in my opinion, has played a little bit better. And obviously DJ, you would talking about, I don't know if this text is talking about the Ryder cup. I assume it is. You would have to, in my mind, go with the experience. And who was the star of the team at Whistling Straits? That was Dustin Johnson. Uh, and so I think that that would play a big factor into it. Even though Dustin Johnson has not played great this year, he still does have a win that Ricky Fowler does not. Obviously, DJ winning at Live Tulsa. Do you have any thoughts on that? To be honest, if I were the captain and Taylor Gooch went on to win this tournament today, obviously tied with Bryson DeChambeau right now, but if TG were to be the only American with three wins around the world, uh, he would have to be on my team. If I were the captain, I would pick all three of these guys. To be honest, I would pick all three of these guys over a guy like a Sam Burns, uh, you know, Cam Young, who's some other guys, Kirk Kitayama up there. You, I, I would pick all three of these guys, even over Keegan Bradley, who we saw win the Travelers last week. I just trust them more. And even someone like in the top six in a Max Homa, I would take all those guys over Max Homa right now and how he's playing. And even JT down the 11, he showed some good form last week at the Travelers, but comes out and missed the cut again this week. So uh, there's so many guys right now that I would have Ricky Fowler over. I'd probably have DJ. And then especially if TG can win this afternoon, I would look at him as well. TG, unfortunately, had a little bit of a bad stretch after the, the Liv Tulsa event, not able to play very well at the PGA Championship, and then kind of got the, the shaft in by all stretch of endeavors to not play in the U.S. Open. So that definitely hurt his chances there because that was a course that set up well for him. If he was able to play good there, he would have bumped him up. But uh, as far as the texture goes concerned, I'll go ahead and agree with them. You look at the analytics. Ricky Fowler's the 10th-ranked player analytically. DJ is at the 23rd, and Taylor Gooch right now is at number 45. So by all all the metrics, the the texture is right, and I would probably agree with him. Ricky's just playing so solid. It just is a little bit distracting from the fact that he has not been able to, to win and get the job done. So there has to be a little bit of that involved as well. Then, like you said, if TG's able to get it done today and get three wins in essentially, what was that, two and a half, three months? That, that's quite an accomplishment to be had there. And then we'll just see how, how the rest of it pans out. But I, I feel like people saying that Ricky Fowler would potentially be a pick here, I, it's, I, I'm not picking Cameron Young over Ricky Fowler right now. I'm not picking Sam Burns over Ricky right now. I'm not picking Justin Thomas over Ricky Fowler right now. So it's, I think Ricky is, like I said, or like I was saying earlier, he's almost a shoe-in for this pick. And I feel like that those other guys should, like the Sam Burns, Dustin Johnson, or Cam Young, Dustin Johnson, or Cam Young, TG, uh, is a lot better conversation than the Ricky or those guys, in my opinion. Texter texts back and says, I agree with everything you two said. I'm cool with all three on the squad. I can do without Keegan's club twirls. Uh, we'll dive more into those Ryder Cup standings because that's extremely interesting. We got to hit a break here 
on the 73rd Hole Radio Show. I can update you that Bryson DeChambeau has hit his chip from over the green to about six feet. He will have that six-footer for birdie. Uh, Taylor Gooch just over the green. He is using the putter as well. We will update you on the Live Andalusia tournament uh, final round coming up after the break. Uh, Taylor Gooch, I, I will say this, has hit his putt, and it's going to finish up about one inch short of the hole. One, Excuse me, one foot short of the hole there on 17. So it looks to be a uh, tied ball game headed into the 18th hole. It looks to be that Bryson DeChambeau and Taylor Gooch will be both 11 under headed into the 18th hole in Spain. We will be back after this short break here on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the Sports Animal. here on the 73rd hole radio show live on the sports animal sam humphreys taylor williams preston pool with you until noon and we are trying to keep you updated on all the golf going on this morning taylor gooch and bryson DeChambeau are tied headed into 18 at live andalusia before we get to that, I do want to let people know who are interested in Ricky Fowler being in the lead on the PGA Tour um, at the Rocket Mortgage up in Detroit. They are through 10 holes. The leaders are through 10 holes. Ricky Fowler has a one-shot lead at 23 under over Adam Hadwin from Canada. Both guys three under par on their final round. They are underway as well. We'll keep you updated on that. But T-Dub headed into the 18th hole here at Valderrama, one of the best finishing stretches in the world. Valderrama, an unbelievable course. They have great crowds out there, um, but the course is honestly just top-notch, and and they could have any major that they wanted out there. They have the Open Day España there every year or have up until this year, and Valderrama, I think, has been a huge success. But take us through that 18th hole, T-Dub, out at Valderrama. It's a 463-yard par 4. It looks like a pretty tight tee shot, scoring average over par this week on the 18th hole out at Valderrama. I can tell you that Taylor Gooch hit a uh, hit an iron out there in the middle of the fairway, and Bryson hit some sort of fairway wood into the right trees. Looks to be in the pine straw. Uh, we'll keep you updated on that. But t- take us through that 18th hole in this finishing stretch at a course that I know you love, Valderrama. That's one of the hardest holes on the course to finish with. So, yeah, there, here's your present for getting through 17. you got to end on this tough beast. It's a narrow dogleg left par four pretty extremely long for, for the way it plays about 465 yards as you're, as you're alluding to Bruce Kepka just took a driver over that lot not very many people are hitting driver there but he's taking it right over the corner in a big nice high about 10 yard draw I think he outdrove our man TG by about a 90 yards is what it looks like here that they're showing so uh, Brooks is in perfect position if somehow uh, the other two guys can make a bogey and Brooks makes a birdie then all of a sudden we're going to have uh, a three-way shot. So Brooks is not out of this at all, but the, his destiny is kind of out of his hands because if TG is in the middle of fairway, just has a long ways back, if he's going to be able to get somewhere up, even around the green, get up, he's going to have a good chance. I don't see what Bryson's shot looks like right now, so that's going to be a tough question. But this is this is pretty exciting stuff, Sam, no doubt. No doubt about it. We've seen TG in this position a few times this year, and it seems like every time he's under pressure, he just hits that low stinger, whether it be with a three wood or a driving iron like we saw right there. 
Take us through the mind of a professional golfer on that 18th tee box. Why do these guys tend to want to hit stingers with fairway woods and long irons when they're under pressure? I heard oh, Johnny Miller said it best. He said, the, the lower the ball goes, the less time it has to go offline. So you just want to get just get it out there running, get it chasing. As long as you don't have like a 250-yard ravine you have to carry, you don't have to worry about it, just get the ball landing in fairway, get it to roll because – for these guys, if they're 200 yards out in the middle of the fairway, they're going to hit it closer than they do from 160 yards in the rough, especially at a course like this with very pivotal rough, especially for someone like TG who hits his long to mid iron so exceptionally well. You just get the ball in the fairway and get yourself in position, you're going to, you're going to have chances to win a lot of tournaments, which I think that's been a common, common theme between the, the two courses he won on in Australia and Singapore and here is that you don't necessarily have to hit driver to overpower. You just put yourself in position, give yourself some mid irons, and that's really going to expose the greatness of what you bring to, to that course. And that's one thing that suited his game on all the places he's won. It's also, I feel like it suited his game very well, very well uh, this week. Taylor Gooch had 167 yards into the 18th hole and hit a nice little shot up there to about 15 feet short of the hole. Bryson, like I said, is over here in the pine straw, an absolute jail. Looks like he's going to have to punch out, hit a punch out of some sort. I wonder if he has a window. It didn't look like he had a window on 17, uh, but he figured something out. Bryson has punched out into the fairway and it's run over the green. So advantage Taylor Gooch, uh, Bryson over the green in the rough. Like you said, if some, for some reason Taylor were to three putt that and Bryson were to not get that up and down and Brooks were to hit one in close here, it would make things really interesting. By the way, as far as the team event goes at Live Andalusia, Team Torquay is 16 under par going to win uh, this one for the team event Uh the range goats are 10 under par. So it looks like they will be finishing second. And then as far as the team that's in third team crushers, who Bryson is the captain of Paul Casey, honor bond Lahiri and our man, friend of the show, Charles, Howell the third, um, do you like the team event aspect T dub? You know, it's not as entertaining on a tournament like this, but it seems like in the events that the, individual tournament is not entertaining the team events entertaining and whenever you know the individual tournament is going on and it's entertaining the team event you know there it's little to be desired I guess but at the same time I like the team aspect and I'm kind of excited uh for the team event at Trump Doral later on this year I feel like that could be extremely exciting after this season-long race what are your thoughts on the team event I know some people love it some people hate it and I kind of fall in the middle that I'm indifferent on the team events. I think it's a very cool concept. You look at, for example, today, how it worked out. Like Team Torquay currently has a six-shot lead. They're going to end up winning it. But like the range goes, they had dropped down to like fifth place, and then they were able to vault back up and say the Crushers were winning when I first turned it on. Now they're down in third. The four races were in second. Now they're in fourth. So it's a lot more volatile than the individual contest is. So I think that is – a good part about it. another positive is that you can definitely tell the players really care about it. And that's something that really, really motivates them. Like for example, guys that are down in 15th or 20th place this week, if they're out of the tournament individually, but that gives them more motivation to keep going. They're not just going to go through the motions to cash a check. One thing I will say is that from a viewership perspective and even going out to live Tulsa, it was fairly hard to keep up with the team concept because they pair everything, especially later in the tournament by individual, by how your results are there. So, 
trying to watch it, it can be a little hard to keep up with, especially when it is so volatile. You'll be looking, and one team will have a three-shot lead, and then they'll show a few shots, and the next thing you know, they're tied. And you, you don't necessarily know exactly how or why that happens. So I feel like they could do a little bit better job of focusing more on that to get it going. But whenever you have a great individual contest like we have here, it's kind of hard to distract from how great that is on when a team competition is winning by six shots. So the, it, it kind of depends on the week. But I feel like if they could make it a little bit more viewer-friendly for the team contest, it would probably make the whole aspect of that go a long ways. I totally agree. Bryson has hit his chip shot on the 18th hole, got a good break with a good lie over the green in the rough, chipped it up to about three feet. So Taylor Gooch will have to make that 15-footer for birdie to win live Andalusia in Spain at Valderrama. We will keep you updated on that as well as the Rocket Mortgage going on up in Detroit after the break here on the 73rd Hole Radio Show. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Preston Poole with you until noon. Uh, and I assume if Taylor Gooch wins this tournament, we will be having him on the podcast sometime coming up in the coming weeks. So definitely subscribe to the 73rd Hole podcast. It's absolutely free, and it just helps us out. It's the follow button on Apple, the subscribe button on Spotify, and we are also right here on the sportsanimal.com podcast page. So you can catch us right there as well as golfoklahoma.org, and it will just give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode let's hit a break and then hopefully when we get back for hour two of the 73rd hole radio show we'll be playing some we are the champions but we will tell you how this 15 footer goes for taylor gooch coming up after the break on oklahoma's leader in golf the sports animal hello golfers the golfers here now live on wwls the sports animal this is the 73rd hole with sam humphreys i'm tiger woods Sam Oklahoma's premier golf show giving you insider access and interviews to golf in the state of Oklahoma and on the PGA Tour good shot it's the 73rd hole I love (laughs) y'all on 98.1 FM WWLS the sports animal Let it ride. Welcome into hour two of the 73rd Hole Radio Show live on the Sports Animal. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Preston Poole with you. And Taylor Gooch is a three-time winner on Live for the 2023 season. He's dapping up Greg Norman right now. What a putt. T-Dub. It was about a four-foot swinger from right to left from, I don't know, 18 feet or so, would you say, and rolls it right in the heart to win for his third time on the year, T-Dub. This guy, that guy that we just watched take down not only Dustin Johnson, not only 
Bryson DeChambeau, not only Brooks Kepka in that final round, that guy was not allowed to play in the U.S. Open, T-Dub. I cannot believe that the USGA did not allow Taylor Gooch to play in the U.S. Open, especially after everything that happened. But how about Taylor for the first time after the U.S. Open teeing it up and winning, like I said, for the third time on the year. John Rahm has four wins on the year. No other American, no American has more than two wins on the year. Max Homa has two wins. Keegan Bradley, two. Scotty Scheffler, two. Tony Finau, two. Wyndham Clark, two. Uh, and that's it. So he's the only American with more than two wins. He has to be on this Ryder Cup team, T-Dub, if Zach Johnson is doing his job. The golf gods definitely got even sand today, and it's a beautiful thing to see. The absolute crime and atrocity it was that Taylor Gooch was not in the U.S. Open. Was hoping at least made somewhat more even today with that great win out in at Valderrama. What a beautiful back nine TG played a four under thirty two birdie in the last two holes. That birdie on eighteen is gonna go is gonna live in infamy for a while. That was just beautiful stuff. Laying hitting the beautiful three wood out there on the right side or fairway wood or hybrid. I believe it was hybrid actually on the right side of the fairway. Hit a great shot in there just a little bit low. And then had his had his man Mal Baker up there just like he always does, giving him the read on the putt. As soon as he heard it, he stepped right in and hit it just where he wanted to. Hit it with a nice, firm, convincing pace, which is something that, you know, if, for example, you, you have the thought in your head, potentially, if you want to run this thing three or four feet by trying to make it, then you may potentially miss that next one and lose the tournament. But there was no thoughts of that from TG whatsoever. Hit a great confident putt, caught just the, the left center of the hole and was able to go in. It was absolutely beautiful thing to see. And that, that's something that, that the golf gods, in, in particular TG, are going to remember for a while because that back nine going against two major champions is something he'll be able to build the rest of his career on, uh, something very heavily, at least in my opinion. Mike McAllister, who does a great job, uh, writing stories uh, for livegolf.com. He did a story on Taylor Gooch earlier on this week, obviously before he wins at Valderrama to make a statement. Uh, he had the chance to talk to Taylor and ask him about his Ryder Cup chances. And Taylor said, quote, yeah, a few weeks back I was in Cabo and woke up one morning and I had 137 texts on my phone and the news broke of the merger. My immediate thought was I wonder what that means for the Ryder Cup. He said, went on to say if if apples were to apples, the guy leading the FedEx Cup and the guy leading the live standings, it's like he says it's like. I think my play has shown that it's at least worth a discussion. At the end of the day, the better I play, the more that is just going to be a discussion, hopefully. I've got to go win this week, and I've got to go prove that I'm worthy of having that discussion about. And he goes out and wins. That was Taylor Gooch before the event, T-Dub. I mean, he just absolutely called a shot. It was, once again, a beautiful thing to see. It's it's honestly sad that he could win three times on live against great competition, and it's not reflective on the point standings at all. I, I have the top 25 in front of me, and he's nowhere to be seen on that list. So I, I wish they would have some way to implement this, at least towards tracking the Ryder Cup, to see exactly where this would have bumped him up to. It would be interesting to see because you have so many great names now 
that it's it makes it so congested. There's going to be so many great players left off this American team. I just would have liked to see where his play would actually get him ranked on this system. And once again, I'm going to throw the list out of, of guys that I would rather have him over. I'd rather have TG over Max Homa right now, and Max is currently on the top six, so he would he's already locked in. I would rather have uh, TG over Cam Young, who's been playing horribly. I'd rather have him over Sam Burns. I'd probably rather have him over Justin Thomas when it comes to just the actual game that they've been playing on the golf course. So, yeah, it's it, Zach Johnson's job just keeps getting harder and harder, and this is just another name along with Wyndham Clark and Keegan Bradley that's gotten thrown into this mix that's going to make this uh, Zach Johnson's job even more tougher. And probably the cop-out's going to be that these guys are on lift, so he's going to pick the other guys, which is going to be a sad thing to see. But whenever you have so many great names out there, you have to have some scapegoat reason to not pick a few of them. And unfortunately, I think Liv will be that scapegoat. The scapegoat. The range goat is the scapegoat. Uh, Yeah. I mean, if he's doing his job, this guy just won three times this year. Won three times. Something that the PGA champion Brooks Kepka couldn't do. Something that Dustin Johnson, who was the best player on the last Ryder Cup, could not do. If he's doing his job, he's at least going to be in the discussion. And if he's in the discussion, like you just brought up, he's played a whole lot better golf than Cam Young. He's played a whole lot better golf than Sam Burns. And he's won three more times than a guy like Ricky Fowler or Justin Thomas this year. Justin Thomas can't find the hole. The the hole looks like a thimble to him right now. He absolutely is putting horrible. So to me, the obvious picks would be if I am making, if I'm picking the Ryder Cup, you know, you have the top six of Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, Brooks Kepka, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay, Max Homa. Now, Max Homa has a slight lead over Keegan Bradley. Uh, Jordan Spieth could also jump up into that locked-in scenario if he were to win a playoff event. But my next six, T-Dub, would be Ricky Fowler, Dustin Johnson, Taylor Gooch, Jordan Spieth, Colin Morikawa. And with that fifth and with that sixth spot, I mean, it's tough. I mean, you probably put Justin Thomas on there just based off of experience, but I mean, I don't know. Who do you go with out of out of some of these other names on this list, like a Tony Finau or a you know, Sam Burns or a Denny McCarthy who's been playing really solid golf. Kurt Kitayama, obviously Will Zalatoris is on this list, but he is, he's been hurt. You're not going to pick Will Zalatoris. Harris English went through this back surgery over the offseason as well. You're not going to pick him. Uh, I guess it would have to be Justin Thomas, and you probably leave off Keegan Brad. I don't know. Would you take Keegan Bradley or Justin Thomas? That's probably who it's down to. There are so many unanswered questions right now, Sam. I'll say this. The the British Open is going to have so much importance when it comes down to this. Because, for example, if if a TG or Dustin Johnson goes out and wins the Open, then they're going to bump themselves up in there, and there's no way that they would not be picked. And you even have the likes of other guys who could m- mark their way up. One thing that does hurt the live guys in particular is that, that you're going to, the PJ Tour players are going to have the FedEx playoffs to show a little bit more form. So if one of those guys, like a Cameron Young, goes out and wins one of those tournaments, then he'll probably get bumped up for a chance in there. So there's – right now it's so hard to predict who it would be because it seems like it changes um, overnight almost. A week ago, or I guess a week and a half ago in this case, 
We wouldn't have said Keegan Bradley should have been on the team. I wasn't advocating for him. He goes out and wins the Travelers, and you look at him, he's actually had a pretty solid season. So he's currently seventh right now. He could easily get up in the top six and lock himself into a spot. So, no, there's – and then TG winning today throws a whole other wrench in this deal. And I'm trying – the thing is, Sam, I'm trying not to let my homerism get into it because I love TG, and I feel like that he would be a great fit onto this team. And you have so many guys – that could be picked. The likes of a Tony now is probably going to be left off of the team. Even someone like a Denny McCarthy you think would be great because he's such a great putter. He's actually the 13th or 14th, I believe, ranked player analytically currently at the moment. No one's even talking about him for a chance to make the team. So there's so many great Americans right now that are playing great. If it was sort of like a high school team, Sam, where you could have an A team and a B team, the American B team would be pretty dang stout. I don't think we're being homers, though. He's won three times. He's won three times. Would Keegan Bradley have won three times on live? No. Would Jordan Spieth this year have won three times on live? No. These guys aren't playing good enough golf. And then you look like the the stats you gave earlier about the the ranking on data golf. Data golf uses a metric of strength of field where – they think that a deeper field is tougher to win. I don't necessarily agree. I think it's tougher to win events that major champions are in. Like, uh, and I'm not talking washed up major champions, you know, from a long time ago. I'm talking about guys that have won two out of the last four majors plus a Dustin Johnson. You know, I think that it's tougher to win three times on live against some of those names than winning non-elevated events, T-Dub. Well, the one thing about TG, too, is after he won the two times uh, earlier in the year on live, he had bumped up to, I believe, the 20th-ranked player analytically. So he, he, has, he had come down a little bit in his most uh, recent finishes. Him missing the cut at the PGA, I think, dropped him down as well. But there was a lot of pressure on Gooch at that PGA because he had to finish in, what, the top seven or six or something like that to get into a U.S. Open that he had already qualified for. And then we have the scenario, well, if he had gotten into the U.S. Open and could have played good there, we'd be looking at this a lot differently as well. But, no, I agree. His his results on live should have some sort of weight, which is like I was talking about earlier. I wish they would have some weight for the point system because you look at where TG currently is on the point system and he's nowhere to be found because these tournaments that he's won don't count for whatever reason, even though he's beating exceptionally great players. So, once again, it comes back to the entire form thing, and if TG can go out and play extremely well at, at Hoylake, which, as we've seen, it's that, that's where Tiger was infamous for. He had one driver for the entire tournament. So this is going to be a course that TG could definitely excel at, and if he's able to n- n- avoid the bad end of the draw, which we tend to see a lot of times in Open Championship, and this doesn't get completely obliterated by the weather, I think he's going to have a great chance at that tournament. And then if he goes out and finishes top five, at the Open Championship, then it's going to be extremely, extremely hard to leave him off the team at that point. No doubt about it. Just as far as the individual standings on live, uh, Taylor Gooch has a strong hold on that top spot. He has 136 points on the year. Brooks Kepka has 109 points on the year. Then you have Cam Smith with 90 points on the year. Brandon Grace with 86 and Dustin Johnson with 80. Those guys round out your top five uh, other guys like Uline who were playing really great golf earlier on in the year on live. They've slipped a little bit. Uline now in seventh. Uh, Sebastian Munoz, who I mentioned earlier, 
he's in sixth on these live standings. Mito Pereira continues to play some consistent golf. Then you have uh, Harold Varner the third, Charles Howe the third, uh, Patrick Reed, and Carlos Ortiz. Those guys round out your top twelve for the individ- individual standings on live. Um, it seems like TG is going to hold that top spot, T Dub, and the guys behind him: Brooks Kepka, Ryder Cupper, Cam Smith. I mean, major champion, Dustin Johnson, perennial Ryder Cupper. Um, to me, he's an obvious choice to put on the team. The guy's won three times. Let's use common sense. I mean, what are we doing at this point? They're merging together, but they continue to kind of poo-poo the live tour like it's some, you know, sort of, you know, Mickey Mouse rinky-dink tour. Uh that Mickey Mouse rinky dink tour has won two out of the last four majors and has a bunch of elite golfers. Elite. Oh, there's 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 no doubt about it. Yeah, it, it, they've caught themselves in a crossroads now with the merger. It says, well, we can't really say that this tour's not. You got to put some weight on it because those players are going to be back under the at least in playing the same events that PGA Tour players play in at some point. So now I'm trying to get the final live schedule pulled up here. Cause there's only a handful of live events left. So TG is going to have a great opportunity to just hold on to, to that, to that lead. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And one thing that should happen is he should definitely get a little, if he already has a little bit of ownership stake in the range coach, he should be getting a lot more because he's been completely backpacking that team to these high finishes. So I think there needs to be a conversation held on that end as well. So here's the rest of the live schedule here. Uh, July set. So actually, this next week we are in Live London, which is where they had the very first Live event ever last year. So that'd be cool to go back. I actually really like that course. Centurion is what it's called. I like that place. Decent amount. Then we go to Greenbrier at the first week of August. So that'll be cool. That they host the P- they used to host PJ Tournament for numerous years. Trump Bedminster will be uh, the week after that, which we saw that course last year. That was a great great venue then we're going back to chicago i actually have a decent amount of, of gap here between the uh the bedminster's august 11th and live chicago is september 22nd so almost a full month there they'll have off then they'll take about another month off and then that's when we have the miami team contest and then actually the last live event will be november 3rd through 5th in saudi arabia so i believe what was that six tournaments that we have left on the schedule so yeah tg is sitting, sitting very very pretty when it comes to leading that individual uh, season-long race. There's no doubt about it. Uh, We need to hit a break here on the 73rd hole. After the break, we will dive into the Rocket Mortgage. Uh, Ricky Fowler, through 12 holes of his final round, he's 23 under for the golf tournament, three under on his final round up in Detroit. He has a one-shot lead over Adam Hadwin, who is also three under on his round, and Colin Morikawa, Another guy throwing his name into that Ryder Cup, uh, you know, captain's pick discussion that we're ta- that we're having that we're going to be having for the next few months. Uh, right now, before this week, Colin Morikawa, twelfth on that list, uh, he is only one shot back with six holes left, six under on his round today, twenty two under for the golf tournament, one shot back of Ricky Fowler. We'll talk about that when we return on Oklahoma's leader in golf, the seventy third hole. He sends it on his way. Taylor Gooch is the Live Golf League's road warrior. First Adelaide, then Singapore, and you can add Andalusia in beautiful southern Spain. A 
third victory for Taylor Gooch in 2023. An extraordinary performance once again. What a call there from the legend Arlo White. Taylor Gooch, three-time winner on the year on the Live Golf League. Three wins, the most out of any American around the world. We will dive more into that on the podcast, I'm sure. Taylor uh, Williams, let me update people on the Rocket Mortgage. Ricky Fowler, 23 under for the golf tournament through 12 holes of his final round. Three under on the day. He has a one-shot lead over Colin Morikawa and Adam Hadwin. Colin Morikawa, six under on the round today, T-Dub. Colin has really struggled with the putter this year. Uh, he went through a stretch from the Arnold Palmer to the uh, to the Wells Fargo where he only gained shots on the greens one time through all of those tournaments, has really struggled on the greens. That's kind of something that he struggled with his whole career. Why he doesn't win as much as you probably think he should is the putter is very, very streaky with Colin Morikawa. But uh, obviously he had to withdraw from the Memorial, but he was playing really solid golf. He was in the top 10 when he had those back spasms at the Memorial uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, but he gained almost a full shot on the field, on the greens that week per round. And then uh, at the U.S. Open, he gained over half a shot on the field, on the greens per round, finished uh, tied for 14th at the U.S. Open, putted decent last week at the Travelers, but uncharacteristically lost shots, strokes gained approach with the Irons T-Dub. But Colin Morikawa looks to be trending in the right direction, and he needs to because he is going to have to be a captain's pick barring any uh, open championship win or winning in, in one of these playoff events coming down the stretch. Uh, Colin Morikawa in that 12 spot headed into this week, only one shot back of Ricky Fowler right now with six holes to play. Uh, T-Dub, what are your thoughts on Colin Morikawa's year? Is it uh, surprising, disappointing, or just kind of blah. I kind of, you know, fall in the category of his year has just kind of been blah for Colin Morikawa. Well, it's pretty interesting. You look back at the Century Tournament Champions' first event of the year out in Kapalua. He had, what, a five or six shot lead on the back nine and ended up losing to John Rahm that tournament. So you would have said at the start of that back nine, Morikawa would not have a win this year. You'd be a little bit shocked, but that's been how it is and ever since they left the west coast swing he finished sixth out at riviera finished third out in tory tory but since then only has one top 10 finish and it was at, at exactly a tied 10th at the Masters. so i would consider a pretty disappointing year in all all realms of endeavor honestly still some golf left so if he wins the the british open or even if he wins a, a playoff event that may change things but his putter had let him down so much in this year he just had not been able to rebound but then the last three weeks, he seems to be putting fairly decent, but his around the greens, his chipping has been absolutely horrible. So it just seems like he's not hasn't been able to get everything clicking. You had mentioned last week, or his last turn, yeah, last week of the Travelers, he had had a horrible iron week. That was mostly in the first round. He shot, I believe, six under in the second round and still missed the cut. That's how bad his first round was. But analytically, he's actually hitting his irons this year the best that he ever has. It's just the rest of his game uh, really, and particularly his, his putting has has let him down so much in his short game as as just a lot more streakier than it, than it has been. So now I would consider a disappointment up up to this stage, but only one back with six holes to play. 
this afternoon, so there's a chance that he could win today. And if he wins today, that could change things. I will say this, even though the disappointment that he is, a lot of guys that we had mentioned before, especially the likes of a Cam Young, Sam Burns, I'd rather have Morikawa than those guys. So I think Morikawa is – he's not as much – I would pick Ricky Fowler over Morikawa, at least at this point with how they've been playing. But I think Morikawa is still definitely a, a high pick, and I would be very shocked if he's not on the Ryder Cup team. A lot of people found out who the other guy is tied tied with Colin Morikawa. They're tied for second, one shot behind Ricky Fowler. A lot of people found out who Adam Hadwin was at the Canadian Open, not because he won the Canadian Open. That was a different Canadian, uh, Nick Taylor. But after the tournament, he got laid out by security uh, after the RBC Canadian Open. But Adam Hamlin has played some pretty solid golf this year at, at the team event at the Zurich. He finished second, uh, finished tied for 12th at that Canadian open, uh, other good finishes here. He finished seventh at the cadence bank championship. Uh, and it's just kind of played consistent golf, only four missed cuts on the season. Uh, what is Adam Hamlin's game like for someone who might be a casual fan? He's not not an overly long player by any stretch. He's every year on tour, he's actually been below average in distance, but he's very, very accurate, always a very above average when it comes to the amount of fairways. And he has and a great putter as well. Every single year he's been on tour, he's gained, a, he's gained shots on the green. So that goes to show that very, very standard game of someone you say that's not a bomber. He's going to hit a lot of fairways and he's going to make a lot of putts, which is something that if he gets all those things clicking on the same week, he's going to be hard to beat. And he has been playing. Uh, fairly decent golf as of late. He, he did finish 12th at the Canadian Open when he did get tackled, and very luckily he didn't have to miss some tournaments because of it. You could have easily <laughs> landed on nice the back of your tackle. shoulder. <laughs> or or you could have literally landed on the ball of your shoulder and busted it and been out 18 months. There was a lot of consequences that could have occurred from the tackle, but luckily he was able to get up and, and all things considered – Playing some great golf this week. Only one back tied with Colin Morikawa. With he's according to what I'm seeing, he has six holes left to play. Ricky still has that one shot lead. So this is very much like the uh, Live Valderrama tournament, Sam. This this tournament's coming right down the wire, and it's going to be exhilarating stuff. No, it definitely is. Ricky Fowler still has that one shot lead over Morikawa and Hadwin. Adam Shank. Uh, Taylor Moore and Quest all tied for fourth at 20 under. Uh, coming down the stretch here, Taylor Moore four under on the round. Things are clicking for him today. Three shots back. What would be your mindset if you're Taylor Moore chasing down Ricky Fowler and Colin Morikawa and Hadden, Hadwin, uh, those guys at the top? Uh, what would be your kind of mindset, you know, headed into these last six holes or so? I think he's going to have to be a little bit more aggressive than even he would want to because these guys ahead of him are not going to make bogey, especially considering the the par fives that are left to play 14 and 17 coming down the stretch. So he's going to have to take – going to have, I'll probably have to fire at every flag if he wants to go out and win this tournament because then even then it's sort of out of his hands because he could play the last five holes five under and if Ricky plays his last holes three under, then he still can't win. But you're going to have to go out and make a little bit of a charge to bump it up. Team Moore currently is sitting 28th in the FedEx up points if he can even move up even higher in the leaderboard than he is now that tied fourth 
that'll bump his chances up even more. And I think T. Moore's got to have his eyes set on. Obviously, the Ryder Cup is definitely in, in talks at this point, but also just met, being able to make it to East Lake in the Tour Championship has to be something that's really on his radar because even able to get there, he's actually currently 51st in the official world golf rankings as well. So he's right on the edge of getting into essentially any golf tournament that he wants to going forward with a few more high finishes. So just keep on keep on doing what you're doing. Get avoid to be tweaked and with the merger and everything going forward, the landscape, we don't know about it, but I do would assume very heavily that the point system will be structured a little bit differently for what would be the 2025 Ryder Cup. Yeah, my final couple thoughts on this is, I mean, the European Ryder Cup team should not be basing their, you know, Ryder Cup points standings off of the European points list because the European tour is essentially a feeder tour. Now it's comparable to the corn Ferry tour, just based on the new landscape of golf. Uh, yes, John Rahm and Rory McIlroy are on top of that points list, but third, you got Yannick Paul fourth, Adrian Moronk fifth, Victor Perez, sixth, Adrian Otegui. Uh, you know, then you have Tommy Fleetwood, Shane Lowry. But it, my point is, I mean, it, it's very comparable to, you know, the level of play of the corn fairy tour. Now it's just ever since they did that, uh, what they call it, not a merger, but they called it an alliance with the PGA tour on the DP world tour. The DP world tour has gone in the tank. The DP world tour should have, uh, you know, merged or had an alliance with live. And then they would have been more of a competitor, uh, you know, to the PGA tour, but now it's forever going to be a feeder tour. I would assume going forward based on the new landscape of golf with live coming on the scene and the new merger with the PGA tour. I don't know how it's going to ingratiate itself in. I know that the DP world tour is part of that merger, but there's only so many weeks in the summertime to have big events. So I'm not quite sure how all of that is going to work out. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, I mean, these names, the, the bottom half of this lineup is going to be bad for the Europeans, but the nice thing about the Ryder Cup T-Dub is you can hide these guys the first couple days, and then obviously everyone's going to have to play a singles match, but you can kind of play who you want to play the first couple days, right? Yeah, there's going to be some, some matching up that can be done. What's going to have to happen is the Europeans will probably have to have a lead going into singles because you can't you don't hide anyone in the singles portion. So that's going to be extremely paramount for them and i'll say this as well if the fact that we're americans probably distracts from this a little bit but europeans have to be pretty upset with the point system they have currently because i don't feel like that with the structure they have they're going to be getting the best players in place at least with the americans we're going to have good players left off but we're still going to have great players put in there could be a situation on the on the european side where there's one or two clearly better players that are left off so anyone who's a european out there a fan of the european team i think you're gonna have to look at the point system even more heavily for the for that for the Europeans than you do the Americans because I feel like at least at this stage and at least on paper it's hurt them a decent amount over these last uh, or what's leading into this next Ryder Cup. No doubt about it. We need to hit a break here on the seventy third hole radio show. We'll be back after this break uh, for one final segment here on Oklahoma's leader in golf, the sports animal. Talking about beating two major champions, Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka coming down the stretch. Big, big win for one Taylor Gooch coming out of Carl Albert and Oklahoma State. Big win for not only Taylor Gooch, but the state of Oklahoma. T-Dub, we had an interesting flip or turn, how the turntables at the... Uh, at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, 
Colin Morikawa is now seven under on the round after birdieing number 14. That means he is now tied for the lead with Ricky Fowler. Like I said, he birdies number 14. Ricky Fowler playing the 14th as we speak. Ricky tied for the lead at 23 under is three under on his round playing the 14th hole. Uh, How do you think this shakes out, T-Dub? More cowards just kind of coming out of nowhere and actually making some putts. Made a nice about eight footer or so on 14 for for that birdie. I'll say the pace of play right now has gotten pretty slow. Ricky's been on the tee for about 15 minutes now and he's waiting. So making sure he has some patience. Whenever you're trying to get the first win that you've had in a long time, you would preferably just like to go with the flow and hit the shot when you're ready. But a lot of waiting can definitely play some mind games on you. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out going forward. But still, Ricky, with the, the two par fives left, Morikawa just played one, so he only has one left. I think that, that Ricky's still in the driver's seat right now. But if you don't execute properly, like even our man Ta- uh, Taylor Moore made a double on number 14. So you can definitely get out of position and make a big number if you don't hit good shots. So Ricky, you just got to stay in control, really, of his mental side with how long this wait's been and just go out and do the things that he has been doing up until this point. We were talking about Colin Morikawa's putting earlier on in the show in this final round t-dub colin morikawa is gaining three and a half shots on the field with the putter that is by far his best putting round of the year and it comes at a clutch time he's seven under for his round through 14 holes tied for first at 23 under with ricky fowler right now Let's see on this predictive model on data golf. It still has Ricky Fowler with a 44 and a half percent chance to win. It has Colin Morikawa with a 41.7% chance to win. So data golf thinks that Ricky still has the slight advantage headed into these last few holes. Uh, what are the last few holes at, at Detroit country club T dub? I mean, do we have some, you know, holes where it there could be big swings, or is it kind of just basic par fours headed down the stretch? So we're going to have 15 to par three. Uh, that's about 160 yards, so you can definitely throw a dart in there and make that happen. Our man T. Moore, who we mentioned, made a double on 14, came back with a birdie on the next hole. She so went the old 7-2 combination. You don't see that very often, especially at this stage of golf. But, no, then the 16 is about a 450-yard Par, par four, nothing extremely special. It's played about even par or about level par for, for the entire tournament. And then 17 is a very gettable par five as well. That's really where the swing is going to come. It's playing about .4 under par, so it's about 4.6. So if you make a birdie, you gain .6 shots on the field. If you make a par, you lose .4 shots. So that's I think that's where the volatileness is going to come in. And then 18, there's a little bit of a creek on the left side you get into. Ricky yesterday was only about a yard away from that creek. Got a little bit lucky on this tee shot. But other than that, it's a fairly straightforward hole. So definitely look at maybe someone will throw it close in on 15, and that could make a difference. But I think 17, the par five coming in, will make a big difference, with the exception of 14, which Ricky still has to play. Morikawa has already gotten rid of it. Ricky just hit it down the middle of the fairway, so he's sitting in, in very good shape on that par five. Data Golf now thinks that the winning score will be 25 under. So, I mean, two more birdies for either Fowler or Morikawa. Data Golf thinks we'll get that done. Uh, T-Dub, to end the show here, you've been critical of Ricky Fowler over this past year. If you're a follower of the 73rd Hole podcast, you know that on our 2023 preview show back in January, 
Woody guaranteed that Ricky Fowler would win a tournament this year. I also thought that he would win, but I didn't guarantee anything. I just thought that Butch Harmon was a huge, huge asset to have for Ricky Fowler now that he's back with Butch. Um, And then T-Dub, you were down on him. You said there's no chance Ricky wins. And then because you still had him left in the one and done this week, you picked Ricky Fowler to win the golf tournament. Maybe all Ricky needed this entire time, T-Dub, was for you to pick him. Yeah, that that's definitely been what's leading to his success, not. But no, for Ricky, these these next five holes are going to be extremely important for him going forward. If he comes in and he pars both the par fives coming in and loses to Morikawa, then it's going to be a, a sort of stain on him, and you're going to have to look at it and saying, okay, well, he's playing such great golf now, but if he's not able to get the job done, at what point do you say he's having a problem winning tournaments even though he's playing so good? Hopefully, because he's my one-and-done pick, he does get it broken this afternoon. If our man T. Moore could have stayed a little bit higher, I would have been rooting for him, obviously. But it does go to show you, Sam, that all it takes is for – if I pick someone the one-and-done – like, for example, Colin Morikawa was making putts to chase down my one-and-done pick, which has not happened all year. So there's all kinds of fluke <laughs> things that happen – when I pick someone, but no, I think it's going to be a great tournament kind of coming down the stretch. But for Ricky in particular, he has to make sure that he focuses on the right things because he has so many birdie opportunities coming in. If he doesn't get it done, it's going to leave not just a sour taste in his mouth, but probably a sour taste in golf fans saying, well, if he couldn't get it done at the rocket mortgage, when is he going to get it done? Well, I hope everybody out there enjoys the last few holes of the Rocket Mortgage. Like I said, Taylor Gooch wins on live. Ricky Fowler and Colin Morikawa tied for the lead at the Rocket Mortgage through 14 holes. We will update you on how all of this finishes up tomorrow on the 73rd Hole Podcast. Definitely make sure to go subscribe to that and follow us on social media. I'm at Sam Humphreys 34 and our Twitter accounts are at the 73rd hole on Twitter and at 73rd hole on Instagram. T-Dub, thank you. Preston, thank you for doing a great job in the booth today. This has been Sam Humphreys on Oklahoma's leader in golf, the sports animal.